Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Elite Podcast Network, your number one source for all things sports. Follow us on Twitter at Elite Podcast Net. Use the hashtag EPN Era and join the revolution now. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk By the Cooler. Um, we got a, a, a pretty interesting show tonight, pretty basketball-heavy show. Um, we're going to be talking some NBA, some March Madness. Also, some. Uh, I believe uh, we're, we're going to also talk about some youth basketball, too, actually, as uh, Team USA came out with some with a little something earlier this week that caught the attention of a lot of uh of a lot of people. But um this is Matt here. I'm joined by True God, by True as usual. True, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm pissed. I'm absolutely fucking pissed. But I'll get to that whenever. But other than that, I'm alright. Could be worse. <clears throat> Yeah, that's true. Could be worse. Um, we actually, we have, uh, I'm going I'm to go ahead and get to the little stuff first. I want to get to the little stuff first. Um, first things first, I'm going to start off with some, um, with what I mentioned earlier, uh, a few seconds ago, which was the Team USA basketball and uh, what they're coming out with with youth basketball. Um, as you, as, as it was shown on, um, through team through the USA basketball uh website and social media USA basketball has put out a set of rules and guidelines for the development of youth basketball um, this has been a heavy topic for the past few years uh it, it's been a huge topic for a, for a, for a lot of years um for the, for the past three years, for me, it's been a topic because I just got into the coaching. I just got into the um, into the coaching game for youth basketball, and I I coach um, six through I, I coach six through eighth grade. But along with the uh, along with the the guidelines that came out, USA Basketball had a mandate where they have. The, you know, kids play with a, who who are younger than 11 years old. From that, they play with a smaller ball and play on smaller rims. Also, that they uh, that they that kids who are 11 and under don't play. Um, they 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 cannot play zone defense. 
they they should play man-to-man defense, that they should play on lower rims to help develop their shot and to give them confidence and to, and to uh, develop the proper mechanics, as well as uh, not playing zone defense to teach them man-to-man defense, teach them man-to-man defense. Uh, teach them man-to-man tendencies, which you don't see a lot of until they reach high school or college. Um, I honestly, and then for for high school, for middle school and high school, in middle school, they're 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 mandating that uh that they play uh, that that middle school plays with a thirty-second shot clock. And that high school plays with a 24-second shot clock to uh, to teach quick decision making, to teach quick decision making, uh, and 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 whatnot. Uh, I had a discussion with someone who I know. I had a discussion actually with with someone I know who uh, who played overseas actually, and he told me that in Europe they you every country uses a shot clock in grassroots basketball, which is youth basketball. But we're the only country that in grassroots basketball, we don't use a shot clock. Now, um, I also coach AAU, and in AAU, they don't use a shot clock. Um, They don't use a shot clock. Uh, um, In high school, too, also, here's the thing, too, in high school, only you know certain states don't use a shot clock. In the state of California, they they use a thirty second shot clock, and in Nevada, they don't use a shot clock at all. I mean, there's a video of showing a team just just standing there. They're just standing there with the ball and not even making a move, letting the clock wind down. With the, I believe with the lead. So no team. I, I, I mean. I don't have an issue with it. I don't have an issue with them not using, you know, using a shot clock in grassroots basketball. I, I'm still kind of air on that because a- until I was explained, I mean, for me, it, it was just you had to convince me or you had to tell me this is why we should use it. You know, it, it's to teach quick decision-making. And then when I saw it, I was like, you know what, you make a good point. Because we do we do need to teach decision making uh, a better decision making and quicker decision making. Um, I agreed with everything that they had actually. Uh, the zone defense at a young age, I understand that too, because you need to teach younger kids how to play man to man nowadays, including myself. I I I'm guilty of playing a zone defense, but with zone you have to have man-to-man tendencies, and it teaches responsibilities. I think with the zone defense, it teaches you the responsibility of playing an area where with uh, – and I think that helps develop. I, help, I think that helps develop responsibilities for when you play man-to-man because when you play man-to-man, my thing is when you play, when you play man-to-man, you – you have to have responsibilities such as help defense and stuff like that. And if you don't know how to do that out of zone, then what makes you think you can do that in man? So I think a zone defense helps. It it helps develop those uh 
Um, yeah, it helps develop those um, tendencies and stuff like that. I mean, what do you think, Drew? I mean, I, I'm interested to get your thoughts on it. I don't know if you've seen it or anything, but. Uh, I haven't. I haven't. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, like, I haven't. I haven't uh, really seen it or really paid attention to it like that. I've got so much, like, I have so much going on. I haven't really paid attention to stuff like that. But I'm assuming that, uh, <laughs> Like I'm assuming, um, you know, I I really don't know. I really don't really don't know what to say uh, in the case of something like this, man. Like, you know, kind of. I don't know. I really don't know how to. Really don't know. I guess what angle to kind of come from on this one. I mean, it is kind of. To me, it kind of. <coughs> kind of is what it is. Uh. You know. Like that's how I look at it. I guess it is what it is. I mean, as far as uh, the youth basketball stuff like that, I mean, you know, coming up, I, I won't say I played no youth league or nothing like that, but you know, coming up, we used to uh, used to play in the neighborhoods. I don't know, like like there's, uh, like I don't know, like. Uh, I don't. I don't have a very vested interest in topics like these. So, I mean, I, I kind of really don't have too much to say on it, and I feel like you kind right. of covering covering everything. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not. I'm, well, just, I'm just not as a. Uh, well, my my whole thing is we. My issue is everybody has this idea of how to develop players. Um, and everyone talks, always talks about, well, you got these trainers over here or these quote-unquote trainers putting them through drills with cones and everything, but they can't make these moves in a game. And I, and I see what they're talking about because when you get in, you, you know, I think everybody needs to train or needs to work out at game time speed and doing game time things and whatnot. Um, I will say this, though. I will say this. I do think I I, I do think um, how can I put it? Uh, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, I do think, however, I don't know. I, I just think um I I think these are the proper ways of going about things for the the development of youth. So that's always a good thing because it helps them when they go forward. It always helps the coaches. I always tell people, I always tell parents, I'm not a, a, a trainer, I'm a I'm not a trainer, I'm a coach, you know. I, I, I will help your kid work out because as a basketball player I've been through it, but I'm not a trainer. You know, I don't want to be labeled as a trainer. I'm not that. I am more of a co- I am a coach. I'm an X's and O's guy. I am a put my team in this position to win type of guy. So, but um, I saw somebody, some, uh, as someone I know, they stated 
or is this is AAU going to get on board with this? And here, and I think one of two things are going to happen. I think AAU is going to adopt these rules. AAU and USA Basketball will come together, which I think that will be the best thing. They will come together, and USA Basketball and AAU will adopt these rules and work together. Because I think one or the other, you need one or the other. You have to have a coach's license through USA Basketball, which helps. Um, I do think we'll see that. Or you could see a thing where you see USA Basketball put together its own union, it, it put together its own um, its own its own basketball uh, sanctioned basketball organization like AAU. I I I think you may see something like that. I think you could see because USA is already doing an open. They're doing a a, a basketball uh, tournament. They're doing a world, uh, a, a, not a world tournament, but they're doing a U.S. Open tournament, open to uh to grassroots teams. And I think this is something where you can see USA Basketball go. You know what? Let's do something like AAU, where in order for teams to participate, they have to be a the coach has to be a USA a USA licensed uh USA basketball licensed head coach or a USA licensed basketball coach cuz AAU cuz AAU in order for you to coach a team you have to a register your team through AAU which is about what $30 $30 to do maybe 60 sometimes 60 sometimes almost $300 to do depending on what level you pick and three, you have to register yourself as a non-member, as a coach through AAU. Um, I, I think if USA Basketball was to do something like that, where it's under these rules, you may see more teams. I think you might end up seeing more teams um, do, go that route. Because I think this is all about trying to filter out the the shoe companies and the and the um and the and the dirty world of, of grassroots basketball, which is the handlers, the, the shoe companies, you know, the shoe companies doing all the this um how can I put it? Doing all the this wheeling and dealing with assistant coaches or Agents getting a hold of these kids, you know, stuff like that. I think we're, I think it's getting to that point where they're trying to, we're trying to filter out the bad people in, in youth basketball. While we're trying to develop the kids, I also think they're trying to filter out the bad people from, uh, from youth basketball. And I think it's a good thing to do. I think if you're trying to filter out the bad people, this is the way to go. Yeah. Like I said, I grew up with it. I'm glad this is what they're doing. I think this is something that I hope more like AAU and and whoever else go through with this too. So, uh moving forward, we have March Madness going on right now. Uh we have Gonzaga and Florida State playing in LA at Staples Center right now. Um the winner will play the winner of that game will play Michigan. And right now, Gonzaga is trailing Florida State by eight. Uh, 
52-44 early in the second half. Um, Kentucky is down three. They crawled within three. They were down eight at a point in time. They're now down three. Uh, This is a good game. This is a good game right now. I, I, I right now, right now it looks like Kansas State is struggling right now. It yeah, looks like Kansas State is think. really. You know what? I think just I think when it, I say that they I make a shot. <laughs> well, I mean they have definitely been struggling, and I think this has happened uh, at different times. Like if you were, if you were you know watching the first half, they had a little right. bit of control, and then right. you know. Kentucky comes back, and then they get control back, a little control back, and then they lose it again. So uh, I hope that's going to be a game that goes down to the wire. To me, it reminds me of of uh, the Loyola-Nevada game where Loyola would have control, and then Nevada would make a run, and, you know, Loyola, was, Loyola, Loyola would start pulling away, and then Nevada would start to come back, and then they went down to the wire. So, I mean, those are the games you live for. In March Madness, man, like this Gonzaga Florida State game is actually pretty good. Um, if Gonzaga doesn't win, I am okay with that. You know, Florida State has kind of controlled the pace of this game, and I, I like seeing stuff like that. And I think that's that's what makes March Madness to me so important, uh, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Because when you go into uh, games like this, people will say, "Okay, Gonzaga's probably got this." Um, you know, Gonzaga's got this, and, and you know, <laughs> Nevada should take care of Loyola. Um, you know, uh, uh, Kentucky has the easiest road to the Final Four. So, well, yeah, man, I think – It's uh, something I want to – it's something – and me, I like seeing good basketball. You know what I mean? I, I love seeing good bas- – I love seeing good basketball. But – I just can't help. I just can't help but sit here and watch, when I watch Kentucky and just sit there, I'm like, you know what, Loki? I just hope Kentucky loses because every year Coach Cal complains about something with March Madness. Every year after the selection show, he complained about, he complained about, well, look where we are in seeding. We possibly have to play Arizona in the second round. Arizona got bumped in the second round or in the first round. They've had – you could say Kentucky right now has the easiest road to the Final Four. Yes, considering they're in a dogfight with Kansas State, they have the easy road right now based off the seeding. You're, yep. playing, you're playing Kansas State. You're playing 9C Kansas State. Playing Kansas State, then you you, you which I think can I think Kentucky's gonna pull away or is gonna end up winning this game. But then you have um, you you'll have Loyola. Yeah, you we know they're beating. I'm sorry, they're beating Loyola. I'm sorry, they're, uh, I think they're gonna end up blowing out Loyola. I don't know. I don't know. And Kentucky has the lead now. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they're on an 11, 11 and two run. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this, this is a good game. Like, yeah, that's the thing I don't 
understand, like, the reason why I'm like, okay, I, I, I hope I want them to lose is because Coach Cal sits there complaining. He he was complaining about um about having a hard bracket or something or having a or or or, or, or he was complaining about actually how hard their region is. Yet I'm sitting here and I'm like, look, if you win, if you make the Sweet Sixteen, you play in Atlanta, Sea Country, which it's basically a home game for them. You have Loyola, you have Kansas State. You, you basically, you you're basically going to the final four. You have a cakewalk to the final four. Ooh, that was a big bucket. Yeah, that was a, a needed one too, a well needed one. And the and yeah, one, you, beautiful. You, you have an easy roll. Like you basically, you have a cakewalk. That's like my thing. I'm like, I'm sitting here. I'm like, what is it with these coaches? And some of them, they got legit gripes. But why is it every year with Coach Cal, something is is always wrong when it don't benefit Kentucky? I don't get it. I don't get it. So, no, I agree. Um. Oh, also, there's another game. So, as we know, Loyola ends up beating Nevada. Um, I think I think Eric Muselman is going to end up having some good college offers out there. If not, it's going to be sometime soon. He's going to get a good. He's going to get a. He's going to get an outstanding offer somewhere. I honestly think USC should go and and should uh. Should, should go and hire him. I think they need to let go of Andy Enfield. Yeah. I'm sorry. But I, I'm overly. I got to be honest about this March Madness thing, man. Like, for me as a, uh, uh, you know, as a fan, like, it's so much to be excited about right now. You know, like, like Gonzaga's made a little comeback now against Florida State. And, I mean, I hope Florida State – all Kansas State and Florida State hold on both of these games just for the hell of it. You know what I mean? But tomorrow – Yeah, because it, be, it'll be wild. You know, like, this is fun. This makes March Madness fun. Like, nobody wants to see these teams. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, like, tomorrow you got, you know, Clemson and Kansas and West Virginia, Villanova, Duke and Syracuse, and I think Texas Tech and Purdue. So, these are really fun – it's going to be really a really fun week weekend of basketball, man, you know, getting us to that Final Four next week. I, that's really what I'm uh, – really what I'm, I'm awaiting, man. I'm, I'm just awaiting that. That, that That's just going to be uh, – it's going to be lovely, man. Um, and this is you know what I mean? I, like, that's just and, – And this is what I like about March Madness. This is what I've been telling people about college basketball is a lot of people, they sit there and they say, oh, man, March – you know, the NCAA tournament, that's the only time I watch it. But this is an all-season thing. A lot of people don't – a lot of people don't want to um, – how can I put this? They don't want to do it. They don't want to do it or they don't want to watch the games 
because they're they're like, oh man, I can't get into college basketball because of how how boring it is. There's no excitement and this and that and that and this. Well, that's because the NBA, it's a high skill level in the NBA. Okay, these are guys who work on their game every day and whatnot. And not only that, but I I honestly I think, and this is just my opinion, majority of the NBA is a lot of iso ball. It's a lot of isolation basketball. It's a lot of it's a lot of make plays in, in space and stuff like that. You know, not only that, but people are like, I can't. I, I, and I've been seeing it on Twitter where people go, "Man, I don't see how people can can like basket how can like college basketball and like kids shooting under, you know, shooting thirty percent from the field." But I'm sitting here. I'm like, but these kids can come into your open gym or can play you. And can hit the lights, knock the lights out. You know, it's different when you're in an actual game setting and stuff. I'm like, and not only that, the reason why, the reason why March Madness, why, why, why people are like, oh, March Madness is uh, the only time I watch it during is during March Madness or during the NCAA tournament, is because a lot of people like to watch it, a to see the upset. And B to see what college what what pro prospects are out there. Yep. That's my that's that's my thing. A lot of people because let's put it like this. Let's put it like this. When people watch, all right, when people watch and everything, what do you watch for other than the upsets or if you did a bracket? You watch it you watch it for the feed, what are the upsets? If you did a bracket, if you do well in your bracket, or or to see, hey, who are the next pro prospects? Like, who's the next big thing? That's what a lot of people watch for. And then, most of the time, the big prospects that you see, most of the time they don't make it to the NCAA, or to they don't they don't make the uh, the title game. Yep. Some of them don't make it like that. Yep. That was that's just my thing. That's what that's what my no, issue is with people. That's just my issue with people, honestly. That's just my issue with people when it comes to college basketball. And then they knock it to you know, I understand if you think the pro game is better, that's fine. I, I, and I completely understand that. If you think the pro game is better, that's fine. But don't get mad at, at me when I tell you, man, college basketball actually it is exciting because, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I feel like I'm like, I tell people, I'm like, don't get mad at me because I feel it's exciting because I say the NBA is mostly isolation basketball. Because it is. It's pros making a lot of plays in space. And I and I also said too, and I think we, we chatted about this true. My thing with the NBA is it's hardly when you say, Oh, I'm going to see the Lakers and, and the Celtics, you know, it's not like you're truly seeing are you going to see the teams? If I mean if you're a fan of the teams, are you going to see the teams? Or are you just going to see the matchups like, oh man, I can't wait to see, 
I can't wait to see LeBron go up against against uh um who against Kyrie like it's a one on one game. Or man, I can't wait to see what, what the Warriors do or or with what's his fate with Durant and Curry and Draymond. You know, I, I can't wait to see them go up against uh see them go up against I I'm trying to think of a team, of a duo or a trio, but against Oklahoma City with with Paul George and Westbrook and, and saying it's like it's a three on three game, you know? It's hardly the teams and stuff like that. Like when I go to college basketball or when I go to college you know, when I go to college basketball, it's more of okay, I get to I get to see like teams like Kentucky or Kansas. Like you I think I remember Kansas came to LA to play USC one year. And I was like, oh, well, I want to go see Kansas. Yeah, I know USC was going to get beat down because Kansas was the top-ranked team. <clears throat> but, yeah. I'm like, but I'm like, I want to see Kansas, you know. That's pretty cool. I get to see Kansas. One day I hope to see North Carolina. I got to see UNLV play. I got to see, um, to see San Diego State play before, you know. Like it's stuff like that. Yeah, that's I mean, just my it, opinion. It, you know, for, for to me, for March Madness. Oh, that's bullshit. Oh, that's wow. That's a bullshit call, man. That's a bullshit call. Wow. This is how you know they're trying to get Kentucky through. See, officiate, that's something we haven't talked about, too. Officiating, um, oh, we're going to get, oh, officiating. Yo, we got to get into officiating real quick. Officiating's been bad in the NCAA tournament. It's been horrible in the NCAA tournament. And sending this motherfucker right back to the free throw line. 18 free throws. There we go. The ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. Nope, it don't. He, He got 19 free throws, bro. 19 free throws. Missed this. All right, whatever. Yeah, I was getting okay, been horrible in the NCAA tournament. That's something that needs to be discussed. How bad officiating's been in this tournament? How bad officiating's been? In basketball. Let, let's move in. Let, hold on. Before we come back, we're we're gonna come back to the mark to the NCAA tournament because we have to. We gotta touch on this because this makes me mad. Officiating in basketball has been absolutely horrible. Yet Brand. we have officials in the NBA who sit there and they talk about well, we need to have an intervention with the players on you know how we we don't like when they come and harass us and everything. Well. A, you're bad at officiating. 
if your officiating wasn't so bad, then you wouldn't be harassed by players. And it's not that the players are doing it at each other. It's consistent. It's consistently bad, which makes players upset. If there's no consistency in officiating, I understand it's hard to officiate a game at game speed, at a high speed. But some of the calls you guys make, and then you guys get out of out of control with these calls. It's like, what do you expect? Oh, I don't like being harassed, or you feel you're being harassed and everything because you're not good at officiating? Because the officiating's been bad, and you want the players to come and actually have a conversation with you? When they do, it's not like it makes things any better. Yep. That was a bad oh. possession. I just have to I just have to say that was a very bad possession oh, for yeah. Kansas State. That was a horrible possession. Like you ran the shot clock down. This is where teams this is where teams end up losing games. This is where teams like Kansas State end up losing the game. Is through bad possessions like that. Time out. Now that now that was a big <coughs> that was big. Oh, they got a that timeout. They got the timeout. It's the last timeout, but they need but that was huge. That's huge. Because in college basketball yep. you need that. You can actually drown some of the <coughs> clock. Yep. And you retain possession. Twenty seven seconds on the shot clock. Now that's plenty of time. I will say this. Uh, yep, I'll say this while we're waiting. I need I need somebody to hit a three. Need somebody to ice a three. I don't see. This is the thing I don't. I hate. I, you know, I I have a very good. Uh, I have a, a good appreciation for uh, ISO ball when it's done right. I've seen KD use it correctly. I've seen Kyrie, Steph. Braun, guys like this in the NBA. For college, I actually think in college, I don't think it's – I've never been a fan of too much ISO, especially in late-game possessions, because what you want to do is you want to you want to create space for someone to get an open shot. And a lot of what that was there, that on that possession there, that was a horrible possession for Kansas State. Uh, no, no ball movement, strictly ISO. Um, whereas you might, you know, you want to find somebody open, try to draw some more attention. Like, I, I guess Snead being out the game, uh, you know, because he's been hot, he's been hot for Kansas State. But I guess Snead being out the game doesn't give them uh, that primary guy to focus on. Um, but look at the disparity in free throws, where it's 20 free throws for Kansas State, 37 for Kentucky. Like, the NCAA is doing their absolute best you know what I'm saying, to make this game, uh, you know what I'm saying, like to make the game in favor of Kentucky. So if Kentucky does end up losing this, uh, they just were not the better team in this. Right. And you got plenty of time. He's going to do ISO. I can already tell. And there we go. All right. What happened? Y'all got to play the best defense ever because they're going to oh, try to do it. Oh, yeah. 
They got to play defense. They got to. Let's go. Uh oh. Oh, uh oh. Uh oh. Oh. They got to hit free throws, though. They have to hit these free throws. They have to. They do. They have to. They have to hit that these free throws. That's. I, I'll be honest, though. That was a horrible three by Kentucky. Yeah. Well, here's the thing Kentucky's big. They're forcing Kentucky bigs or their their bigger players to defend on the perimeter, which is why they're going ISO. Yep. That's the thing. That's the thing. Thing that a lot of people don't realize. You're up. Yep. Another one can ice it here. But uh, that's, a, that's the thing. A lot of people don't understand is when you have a bigger player, yes, while Kentucky has athleticism, if they can't defend on the perimeter – they can't defend on the perimeter. Oh. He missed one. I no, knew he was going to miss out. one. But it's last yeah. time out. <laughs> so either we get overtime or this is over. They got to play their best defense. I really hope Kentucky – I really hope Kentucky, like, the, I mean, whatever play they draw up here, I generally hope it does not work. It, because, for one, let's be honest here also, uh, Kansas, Kansas State is in a lot of foul trouble. So, it's five seconds to go. I don't know, I man, I don't, I don't know what type of play they would run out of this, out of this timeout, because this is, Oh man! <clears throat> if you're Kansas State, you gotta play your absolute best defense. Do not foul. Don't foul. You can't play good defense. You, 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 you know, that's the thing. Just with college play players, it's like you you you're telling them do not foul. Because you know, because you know they're gonna try to get it to whoever's been whoever's had the hottest hand from three tonight. So you want to make sure you put a lot of pressure. That'll be on... knocks. Then it will be knocks. Then yeah. it will be knocks. Yeah. It will be. So you got to be knocks to green. Run them off the line. That's the thing. You got to run them off the line. Nope. I deny. They go. I play denial defense. Bye bye Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky's out. Bye bye motherfucker. Baba, you're gone. You're done, son. You're out of here. Kentucky, Kentucky's out. And Gonzaga is down double digits to Florida State. Yeah, they right are now. Oh my lord, this is this is March Madness. This is March this Madness. This is right March. <laughs> This is March Madness. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing, y'all. That's amazing. 
That was a that was a great finish. That was pretty good. They had the easiest path to the final four, and guess what? The motherfuckers ain't go. God damn it! That's what they I'm going, man. <laughs> I hate this. I I love that shit, man. I'm not gonna. Lie. I love this. I love this type of stuff. This is why I love uh, uh, March Madness, man. Like this is amazing, man. It's amazing, man. That was amazing. It's that crazy. Was amazing. This is this is this is what I tell you. This is an all season thing. Everybody thinks it's predictable, and it isn't. This is March. This is March. Absolutely. Mm-mm-mm. So Loyola... <laughs> Kansas State are both in the Elite Eight. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Remember, remember George Mason? Yo, I, I do remember George Mason. Oh, man. It's a shame that those teams have to face each other. But one of those teams are going to the fucking Final Four. Are you kidding? That's what the fuck I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So we need Kansas to lose tomorrow. We just need Kansas to lose tomorrow to complete everything. I need. I'm not going front. I need. Yeah, I need Kansas to lose tomorrow. I, I kind of want. See, I, I don't like really, Syracuse. That will really put things out of whack. <clears throat> because now you're really watching for the game for for basketball purposes. After that point, and I'm saying like you're really watching for basketball purposes because you know it's not about name value at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like Kentucky. Uh, like Kentucky's such a you know notable school. It's such a notable, you know what I mean. Like it's such a notable uh, thing, and, and and like Duke and and Kansas, like all these teams oh. are so notable for. Me. What I'm watching uh, Gonzaga and Florida State. Oh, I'm missing it. What happened? Uh. It's- Oh, Gonzaga just hit a three. So right now they're down. Uh, they're down nine. Nine. Uh, from what I just saw, yeah. From what I just saw, uh, Florida State. Uh, they they were at the line, but but they missed the free throw, so now they got the ball back. Oh, this is beautiful, man. This is March. This is what I tell people. This is March Madness. This is what we... This is what you see. This is amazing, man. I I, I love seeing shit like that. I love seeing shit like this, man. I, I love a good underdog story. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I, I, this this is what I love. Now I do have something I want to rant about at some point, and I guess we'll get to that. Oh, at some oh point. yeah, let's go into that. Let's go into that actually. 
I, I, go I, ahead. It's the floor is yours. To, it's gonna be hard for me to do that. It's gonna be hard for me to do that while I'm watching the uh, while I'm watching this. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, I think you're probably like a few a few seconds behind what I'm watching, Matt. I feel like you're like a few seconds behind. Yeah, I am actually. Uh, I am actually. I oh, I, I am. Yeah, but uh, come on, there we go. All right. Yeah, actually, I'm a few seconds behind. And one. Oh, that's, this game's over. This game is motherfucking over. I mean, Millie rocking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this. I just great. saw. I just oh, saw the end one. Yeah. I'm way behind. This is awesome. This is awesome. Man, that was a bad foul, too. That was the worst foul you could have. Yeah. That was a beautiful, that was a beautiful play. That was a beautiful play. Oh, this is, they calling this a flagrant? Yeah, they're reviewing if it is. That could be a flagrant one. You can make the argument for a flagrant yeah, two, but I think that might be a flagrant one because yeah, it looks like he also is trying two. to go for the ball. You think that's a, you think that's a two? No, that's a one. I'll, I'll call that one. Yeah, I don't think that's more. That could be a one. You can make the argument for a two, but it, you could kind of make the argument for a two, but that's going to be a one. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like it, it's a very small argument for the uh, for two, but I think it's a one. I definitely think it's a one, which is yeah. So it's a flavoring one. We like I said, uh, wow. We didn't even get to the other game. We didn't even get to the other to the other game. So anyway, Loyola Loyola defeated Nevada. Um, they defeated Nevada today to go to Sweet 16. They'll play Kansas State. Um, Michigan whooped on on uh, Texas A&M. I thought A&M would win that game because of their length in the post, but apparently I was wrong. <laughs> um, I was dead wrong on that. But Michigan won. Michigan will face the uh, the winner of this game. Actually, the winner of Gonzaga and Florida State, which it could be Michigan, looks like Florida, Michigan and Florida State, looking like Michigan and yeah, Florida State. It's looking like it's looking like that. It's looking like that. And I, I, I so, hope this finishes out. And then for tomorrow, let's let's review tomorrow's game. Let's look at tomorrow's games. Actually, let's look at the tomorrow. 
Let's look at tomorrow. The game is tomorrow, man. Syracuse and Duke. Uh, Clemson and Kansas, man. It's it's some uh, Texas Tech. Oh, this is oh that's the ice. Oh, that's the ice. Get the fuck out of here, Gonzaga. Get the fuck out of here, Gonzaga. Oh Get wow, you wide open. Horrible. The game is over. You're motherfucking done, son. Yeah. You're done, son. This is it. Yep, that's oh. it for Gonzaga. They're done. Oh, one of the players are hurt, too. Yeah, that's not go. Ooh. 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 He instantly no. That an Achilles? Ooh. That, I'm hoping that's a cramp. I, I'm hoping that's just a cramp. Oh, I really yeah, that, that I didn't get a good look on exactly what happened. But uh yeah. I'm praying that's just a cramp. I'm confused by that what just happened there. Uh Cause they said basket interference, but it just yeah, yeah it was oh, that was it cool. was basket interference. No, I know it was, but I, I, to me, it almost looked like the shot was like actually about to go, like get another bounce back, and then he. Uh, I mean, I don't know, but it doesn't matter anyway. Because look, it's over, Florida State. I know people that pick Gonzaga. I know people that pick Kentucky. They picked Arizona. They picked all of these. Arizona, teams. I don't know what the heck happened. Well, you know what? Because people go with the familiar schools, and they watch these games, and and they, and and some people, they look at it and they go, man, you know what? They could be prone because you don't you don't ever think they're acceptable to uh to being upset like that. You know, like we didn't think. A 16 seed would be the one seed by 20. Nobody thought that. Nobody thought that. It's crazy to me. This is crazy, man. This is crazy. That's. I'm like. I'm sitting here. I'm like. You couldn't sit there and tell me. Oh yeah, I I knew, I knew that that uh, a sixteen would be the one by by that much. Yeah, that that don't look good. That's oh man. This is amazing. Florida State and Michigan will play Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Um, yeah, so you know, I mean, you are you, you know how you you know how it goes, man. So tomorrow, of course, tomorrow night, Clemson, Kansas, West Virginia, Villanova, Syracuse, and Duke, Texas Tech, and Purdue, and then um, and then Saturday it'll be uh, what Loyola and uh, Kansas State, and then Michigan and. Um, in Florida State. So, man, listen, if we could get Florida State and Loyola in the final, 
in Final Four, um, that'd be hilarious to me, man. That'd be hilarious. Florida State, um, if Florida State and that would be that that would be hilarious. Florida State and and you know what's funny? You didn't. You wouldn't even think Florida State would even make it that far. No, I. You know what? Or I Loyola. Really or Loyola. <laughs> yeah, like I definitely didn't see Loyola. I mean, Loyola doesn't. They've been playing good basketball. Like I haven't watched really follow a lot of what they've been doing, but. When I when I saw, I think they were like thirty and something, or they almost won thirty games or twenty eight. I can't remember how many games they won, but I was hearing a little bit about them, and I was like, I guess I'll check them out a little bit, and kind of see. So I kind of found out a little bit more and started paying attention a little bit more to them. And uh, they got a decent team over there, man. They got a decent, solid team. So, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, guess whatever works, man. Whatever works for that team, man. I I really I really wish and hope. The best for this uh, for this team, man, because because uh, that Loyola team is a tough team. They tough fighters. This Florida State team is good, man. I, I'm not gonna lie, yeah. man. The, 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 from what I've seen of this Florida State team, and in, in just in this uh, in this run, this this is definitely a team that could make the Final Four. It's yeah. definitely a team that could make the Final um, Four. And Florida you know, State, I, I, I Florida State, Michigan, Florida State, Michigan will be playing. At 5:50 p.m. Pacific time, so that will be on Saturday. Should be solid. Should be solid. Now, now we got March Madness out the way. Uh, you know, now we got March Madness out the way. Now I can talk about what pisses me off. Now I can talk about what pisses me off, and it all goes back oh, hold to what we were just talking about. Yes. Before before you start, we we forgot one school. Uh-oh. We gotta get Duke. Duke gotta get out of here too. Duke really. Gotta here's get the out thing here. about that. Here's the thing about that. I hate Duke, and I hate Syracuse. So I kind of would rather. I don't know who I'd rather lose. I kind of I kind of hate them both, but I'm also I'm a, I'm a Marvin Bagley fan. So like I'm torn. Like I'm torn, you know, and uh, was it uh, Wendell Carter? I think um, I'm torn, man. I'm torn because I, I like some of the players on Duke, but I hate Duke. Like I hate Duke. Duke gotta get up uh, out of here. Yeah, so I mean, ideally, ideally, uh, if there was some way we could get both Duke and Syracuse Syracuse out of here, I'd love that. But uh, that's not possible. So, wh- whoever wins wins. I don't really got. I'm really got just anything to, to say on I that. Just thought, yeah, I just thought I I'd share that. I get it. I get it. I get it. So, uh, we were just talking a little bit earlier about the uh, the referees and everything, and and, and the nonsense that goes on in the NBA today with the referees and everything. And for me, I think the officiating has been really bad. But tonight might be the worst that I had ever seen. Uh, um, because, okay, so the Houston Houston Rockets are the number one team in the NBA this year. 
I mean, you put two regular season gods, regular season gods together, and what do you get? You're gonna get uh, greatness in a Mike D'Antoni offensive system. Their defense is still a little weak here and there, but whatever. Houston Rockets are a solid team this year. Uh, they have my respect in the regular season, but we all know how D'Antoni coach teams play in the playoffs. It's a different style. It's it's so different, and people don't really understand the difference because they don't know, don't pay attention. But it's a big difference. So, um, but tonight the Detroit Pistons got robbed of a victory two times in this game. They got no calls on shots. Uh, it was like three or four tic tac calls, and James Harden shot like eight free throws and or six free throws in fucking overtime. So six free throws he shouldn't have shot because two of them was really bullshit calls. And it's just like, I really didn't, you know, I just really didn't. Like James Harden is the quote-unquote MVP this season. All right, fine, he's the MVP. But the truth of the matter is that team, the Rockets, were fully healthy without CP3 against a struggling Detroit Pistons team, and they should have lost. This is a team that has Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, uh, Ryan Anderson, Gerald Green, Joe Johnson. Uh, They had every piece except CP3. Now, of course, CP3 is lingering right now uh, on the the cusp of getting his usual late-season early playoff injury, which happens almost like every year. So that's one thing. But what pisses me off the most is that tonight, against one of the worst defenses in the league, James Harden shot four for 20 from the field. Four for 20, 20% from the field. Zero for eight from three. 14 from 18 from the free throw line. This motherfucker made 10 more free throws than he made shots. If you look at the box score, you're like, oh, Harden had 21, 8 and 5. MVP shit. He had a stale. I think he had two blocks. That's MVP shit. First of all, the block was bullshit. The block came when he was just standing in the goddamn. Uh, he was standing in the post trying to get a rebound. Somebody gets a rebound and they go up, and he knocks the ball out of the hand when they're going up. wasn't like a bit. It wasn't like no old oh, shit. He was he did a chase down block or he met somebody driving and, and block. It wasn't one of them blocks. Like that's the thing. You watch the games. Watch the games. Don't look at the stats and be like, oh shit, this motherfucker did. You know what I mean? Like he 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 was gifted a lot. By the third quarter, he had he was like 0 of 7, 1 for like 14, or 2 for 15 from the field. It was a horrible game for James Harden without Chris Paul, which leads me to believe the only success that the Rockets would really have is against any other team in the West besides Golden State, maybe OKC, if they can get fully focused. The only success they would have is if Chris Paul is on the floor, because if you don't have Chris Paul to worry about as facilitator or as a second facilitator and running your second unit, then what? Then what? Then what? 
if Chris Paul goes down with an injury and you can trap James Harden and defend him very well and make him shoot because he's notoriously inefficient and make him shoot five for 22 from the field and one of eight from three, you can easily win the game. You can neutralize Eric Gordon. Then who else do they have as a primary scoring option? Who else can really create the offense? This is the problem I have with the Houston Rockets anyway. Offensively, they're, 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 they jacked up 53 fucking three-pointers today. 53. They only hit 12. 53. Imagine if they did this in the playoffs and only hit 53 threes against teams that defended well, like the Spurs. Uh, OKC does okay, actually, defending the three. Golden State, obviously. Imagine if they did that in a playoff game. Shot 53s and only made 12. The motherfuckers would get washed in the playoffs. And guess what? You got a preview of what they're going to do in the, in the playoffs. They do not have mid-range guys. The only mid-range guy they got is Joe Johnson. And I saw Joe been stinking it up for them. He ain't been good for them. He's not a good defender. Uh, but he, he, and he, his, his efficiency has been off and on. He, ain't really, he don't really fit in with the system. And that's my, that's my honest opinion. I don't think Joe Johnson fits in with the Mike D'Antoni system. I think Gerald Green was fitting well, but the system isn't flowing that good. If you if you watch, and I've unfortunately had to sit through games of watching the Houston Rockets against my will sometimes. It's because I love basketball. I watch them against the Blazers. And when I watch them against the Blazers, I watch the Blazers choke. But I also watched the Rockets choke in the last minute of the game. And they were gifted that game. Because on a rebound, after a missed shot in which the Blazers could have tied the game, Aminu was fouled, fouled by Chris Paul. It was a blatant foul. And guess what? The ref saw it, didn't call it. And then Chris Paul got the ball and got fouled with about 2.8 seconds left. And guess what? They never called it until 1.2. It was a clear foul. He clearly fouled them. They just didn't call it. They let time run out. The NBA is gifting the Houston Rockets. I don't know why they're gifting them this, but it's a lot of a lot of games have been decided. Like all the close games with good teams have been decided by missed calls and ticky tat fouls that sends Chris Paul or James Harden to the line. That's that's really horrible. I watched the game against the Pelicans where that happened. Two games against the Blazers where that happened. Um, like, it's disgusting. It, to me, it's disgusting. They shot like 30-some free throws tonight compared to the Pistons only shooting like 17. Like, it, it, this is a problem. This is a problem. The officiating is a problem. A stat I read today that pissed me off, and I said this to you, Matt, earlier uh, via message online. There's a stat. All right. Now, one thing I saw, I saw that James Harden this year is he's made more more uh, field goals than he has um, than he has free throws this year. He's made more field goals than he has, which is the first year this has happened. Now, see, I'm a big believer in just checking the stats, and when I say check the stats, I'm not talking all of fucking. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not talking checking the 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 advanced extra advanced stats. Just talking the simple stats that showcase what can be seen also with the eye test. 
So this is what I found, right? So James Harden's averaging 36 minutes per game. That's around par what he averaged last year. It's on par what he averaged in 2015 when he was uh, the runner-up for MVP. He averaged 37 minutes. He's averaging like 36, and his numbers are going up even more because he played 41 minutes today in a meaningless game against the fucking Detroit Pistons. But whatever. So this, this season, he's shooting 44% from the field, um, like 36 37% from three, which is right around when he shot in 2015. But here's something people have to also take into consideration. The highest amount of shots that James Harden has taken is this season. This season. He has Eric Gordon. He has Trevor Ariza, P.J. Tucker, Bob Mute, Chris Paul. So you would imagine that he'd be taking slightly less shots, right? Slightly less. Maybe 17 shots per game, right? He took eight, almost 19 shots per game. He's taking 21 shots nearly per game. If you round up, 21 shots per game. He's making nine of them. So he's around 44, like 40, 45, 44, 45%. He's taking almost 11 threes per game and making 3.9 of them. Well, I guess the number will drop tonight because he took like nine, eight or nine threes and he missed all of them. So that's going to be a huge drop. If you, if you shoot eight threes and you miss all of them, that's a huge drop off uh, in percentage. So it'll be like 36%. But here's what's telling to me about this, right? So he made he he's made this season 586 field goals, but his usage is higher, right? Like I said, his usage is higher than usual. Surprisingly, his usage is higher. He's averaging 20 shots per like 21 shots per game, so his usage is higher. He's made 245 threes last year. He made he he made 262. Uh, he shot 700 and something. And this year he's going to finish at probably shooting at 700 threes as well, right? So over the last four seasons, he's made over 200 three-pointers. Uh, he's, like I said, he's not really efficient. Like, KD's shooting 43%. Steph's shooting about 43. Clay's 45. Uh, I think Paul George is, like, 42. Um, I think, I'm trying to think off the top of my head who's been hitting, hitting threes. I think Otto Porter is shooting 41% from three or some shit like that I, I saw, too. But – after tonight, James Harden has 657 free throws attempted. 657 free throws attempted. He's made 568 of them. He has 582 field goals made. There's absolutely no reason why that shit should be that close. Like, okay, I'll give I'll give him a break. Compared to past years, it's not as it's not as it's not as that big of a difference. It's not as big of a difference. It's very close, but he has more. Like previously, he shot um he had what last season he had 674 field goals total, but he had 746 free throws. And he took 881. He's, he's averaging 
10 and a half free throws, 10.5 free throws a game right now. 10.5 free throws a game. The reason why this pisses me off the most is because he's average, he has total free throw attempts this season, <laughs> 657. Now, Matt, ask me why that pisses me off. Just ask me why that pisses why, me why off. Does, why, why does that make you mad? James Harden's played in 64 games this season. He's missed eight games so far. He has 657 attempted free throws. Kyrie Irving has played in 61 games this season, I believe, or maybe 60. You know how many attempted free throws? Mind you, Kyrie's an ISO guy. He's a good ISO guy. But he's a, he, he drives. He can finish at the rim. He gets fouled a lot. So I guess Naturally, if James Harden has 657 attempted free throws, then Kyrie should have, what, 400, 450, 500, 550, 600, something close. Kyrie Irving has 260 attempted free throws. 260 attempted fucking free throws. That's a 400 free throw difference. Like, seriously, a 400 free throw difference. Now, Russell Westbrook, right? Russell Westbrook, man, Russell Westbrook's game's kind of tough to watch sometimes, too. <clears throat> but Russell Westbrook is known as a finisher. He drives to the basket more than he shoots threes, more than he does anything else, whether he's trying to dunk, lay up, all of that. So naturally, Someone who's more of a natural driver, because Russ is more of a natural driver, in my opinion, than Harden is. So Russ, as a natural driver, Russell Westbrook should probably have close to the same amount, right? Russell Westbrook has 497 attempted free throws this season. He's played in 71 games. James Harden played in 64. 71 games, a whole 160 less free throw attempts. My true choice for MVP this season, Anthony Davis. He's got the Pelicans in the fourth seed. Uh, They won 43 games, which is, I think, the most they've won in, in, in history since he's been there, I guess, uh, since Anthony Davis has been there. This most they won in his run, and they'll probably win 45, 46, maybe 47. I mean, really, um, if they go on a run here and don't lose maybe but one more, two more games, um, they could win 50, 50 games. If they could pull off 50 games this season, I'm not going to front. I would probably go with uh, AD as the MVP. You know what I'm saying? He's averaging 29 points a game, 11 rebounds, leading the league in blocks. I don't know, man. Hey. He's number two in scoring. His usage ain't his, his usage. As, what's crazy is his usage isn't even as high as Harden. Like Harden's a stat stuffer to me because his usage is so high. He takes so many shots. Like if if you actually think about what people said last year about Harden getting getting too tired in the playoffs, he's probably gonna do the same thing here because his usage is so high. He's not he's not off the ball that much either. He, he he's a 
he's one of their primary, he's their primary ball handler more than Chris Paul. Chris Paul's taking a lesser role, which is why it's worked. But <laughs> it's just I think AD. AD is a guy that lives in the post. He's a big man. He can shoot the three, but he lives in the post. He drops to the lane. He can get in, get his bucket. AD should probably have about 620 to 633 throws if we compare it. AD has played in 64, 65 games. Things are on the same, maybe 63, I think. But I'm the same that Harden has played. And AD is a big man. Big men usually should take more free throws because they're going to get beat up in the post. This is just how it happens. Anthony Davis has 508 free throw attempts, 150 less than James Hart. But wait, there's more. The face of this league, LeBron James. Granted, LeBron usually commits more offensive fouls that he don't get called for than anything. Pretty much. Because he, he always puts a lot of the top elbows. players. <laughs> Especially Harden. That's what I don't like Harden either. First of all, someone said this, and I noticed this, that Harden's step back is one of the most illegal moves, because, but he does it so quickly, and the way he does it, you don't really actually catch it. I actually, I don't pay attention to the step back anyway. But And I actually think there are other step backs in the NBA that are better. Uh, to be completely honest, I think Kimball Walker has a better one. I think Steph has a better one, uh, actually. But whatever. It's more fluid, uh, doesn't try to draw fouls, and it doesn't involve a travel, a slight travel in that either. But, hey, that's either here nor there. LeBron commits offensive fouls. He ain't going to get called for. But regardless, LeBron does what you're supposed to do when you're his size. He tries to draw the contact. Does he initiate the contact a lot? Yes, is he going to get called for it? No, he's the face of the league. They kiss his ass all the time. I mean, that's I mean, obviously that's why the Lakers could beat beat the Cavs by twenty five points, you know, in Staples, and they'll play LeBron doing a no look pass that was pointless, and that's the that's that's what they show. <laughs> LeBron could have a forty point triple double, and they lose by ten to the Blazers, or thirty point triple double lose by ten to the Blazers, and all you're gonna see is LeBron highlight. They ain't gonna see Dame. They ain't gonna see CJ. Nurkic, no, you go see LeBron. That's 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 what they that's they want. That's what they do. I say all this to say, if anybody should have more free throws than James Harden, besides the the last two people I'm gonna mention, it should be LeBron James. Superstar calls, LeBron James should probably get them. He should probably get them. To be honest. Because it's LeBron, right? How many free throws does LeBron have this season? Let's take a look. 448 attempted free throws. 210 less than James Harden. 210 less. Now, Matt, I'm angry. Very angry. I can tell. But you know what made me but you know what made me even more angry? Here's what made me even more angry. I am of the belief that one of the players that gets fouled the most 
in this league, Steph Curry, and he gets very, very few goals. Very, very few. He is a 92% free throw shooter this season, which is tied for the second highest percentage in his career. Now, Matt, Steph drives a lot, actually. He's not just a three-point shooter. People actually watch the games. They would know this, right? But uh, if Kyrie Irving has 260 free throws attempted this year, Steph Curry, he, he, he gets more calls than Kyrie. I would give him that. But for the abuse he takes, 296 free throw attempts for one of the three best players in the league. That's not going to cut it. A two-time champion, two-time MVP can't get at least 400? At least 400 free throw attempts? I get at least 400? As much abuse as and how beat up Steph gets, like if you ever watched the Warriors game, Steph is beating the shit out of Steph. And he gets no call. 296. But guess what? That ain't even what I'm mad at. Not just Steph. Not just Steph. So, one of, my, in my opinion, the best ISO, the best ISO guy in the entire NBA, in my opinion, Kevin Durant. I think Kevin KD is the absolute best. And with ISO ball, sometimes, uh, you know, you end up drawing a lot of, a lot of fouls. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing that's weird to me about KD's career. When he was in OKC his first few years, he and and he had a I think he had a move that many people thought uh, was illegal, and he stopped doing it after after a while because he called fouls and stuff, and you get away get away with certain shit. But there was a period where he would average ten free throws a game. Uh, it was 2010, I think, uh, 2013. I want to say 2014. And then after that, it just considerably went down to the point where now he only averages five to six free throws per game, which is to me is weird for a guy like KD that runs ISO, especially when, uh, like, before he left for Golden State, they ran primarily ISO through him and Russ. So it really didn't make any sense to me. But he's played in 61 games this season, right? I mean, better 61 games, let's be real. He's shooting 52-43 and, like, 89 from the field. He's having an excellent season. Let's be honest. Excellent season. Kevin Durant has 300 less free throws than James Hart. He He shoots 353. 53, 353 attempts. Now, Matt, this is what pissed me off the most about this. Two of the, the to me, two of the three best players in the league, period, combined together, 149 attempted free throws together for two of the top three players in the fucking league. And James Harden still got eight more free throw attempts 
than both of them. And you Houston Rocket fans, you bitch ass, you motherfucker, and you telling me there's not an went issue there. I went there. You telling me there's not a problem? You really telling me there's not a problem in the NBA right now with this officiating, these ticky tack calls, James Harden? Seriously, James Harden, James Harden, six hundred and fifty-seven fucking. Fucking free throws. Seriously, man. Like, seriously. Steph and KD. These are two of the best players of the last 10 fucking years. And combined, they can't even average more free throws a game then James Harden himself, there is an issue. There is a big issue. Because let's be honest, LeBron James averaging 450 free throws a game, or I'm not, not a game, but in the season having 450 free throw attempts, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's cool. But I'm, I'm going to do you one better of what the issue is. So 448 free throws for LeBron James. Kevin Love has 230 free throw attempts. So combined, LeBron James and Kevin Love still have more free throw attempts together than Stephen KD. Now, if you really want to get funky, you really want to get funky. Eight less free throws for Steph and KD. Right? Eight less free throws for Steph and KD. But less even funnier about this. If you added Clay Thompson into the equation of this, they only beat out James Harden's free throw attempts by like 75 attempts between three of some of the best offensive players in the fucking game. The Warriors' big three, and granted, Clay don't really draw a lot of fouls. He don't drive a lot. All right, okay. I'd give you that. But Steph, KD, and Clay have combined like 700 and like 15 free throw attempts. Combined. There's already 657 by himself. If you add in Chris Paul, Chris Paul has like 280 or 270 free throws this year. So them two together are if you put Chris Paul and James Harden together and they free throw attempts against Clay, Steph, and KD, and you know what? Let's throw in Draymond. Let's throw in Draymond just for a kick. This, 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 because I, I don't even know how many. I haven't even looked at that. But I feel, I feel like, I feel like this is going to probably prove my point, and it will. It will prove my point. It will absolutely prove my point. 
Draymond Green has 150 free throw attempts. Okay. If you combine Clay, KD, Steph, and Draymond together, the big four of the Warriors against James Harden and Chris Paul, they are still behind. The big four of the Golden State Warriors are still behind the Houston Rockets in free throw attempts. The two biggest free throw attempts on Houston Rockets by 89 free throws. What the fuck is going on in the league this year? There's no way the defending, uh, defending champions do not get treated like this in the NBA. <clears throat> There's no reason for that. That's, that's disgusting. The Boston Celtics, the entire Boston Celtics roster, if you go down the line and look at their total free throw attempts, whether it's Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown with Kyrie Irving and add them together, add all the motherfuckers together, right? Add them all together. And Marcus Morris. Put Marcus Morris on there too, right? All together, all four of them, I think barely, barely edge out James Harden by himself for free throws. Barely. Keep in mind, Jason Tatum's played 71 games. Started all 71. Kyrie played 60. Jalen Brown played like 62, 63. They're still barely, I think all four of them together, have like 30 free throws more than James Harden. And Matt, because you're a Lakers fan, I can do even one better. No one on Lakers, whether it be Kyle Kuzma, you put them together with Brandon Ingram, put them together with Lonzo Ball, even put it together with KCP bumass. Maybe Julius Randle, right? Even if you put these all those those players together, Kyle Kuzma has. I mean, he hasn't started every game, so that's unfair. He has 170 free throw attempts, so that's not bad, right? I guess it's not too bad. Lonzo don't have that many free throw attempts. Lonzo's got well, like 90, 95 total, so that's 260 something amongst those two. You add in Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram's got about like. Two-something, maybe. Julius Randle's got like two-something. So even the Lakers, even the Lakers, together, they're young nucleus and core. They drive the lane, too. They get fouled and they get their ass beat. Even them, they still don't have more free throws together than one man, James Harden. He's, this is the problem. This is why he's he's the, he's the runaway MVP to so many people is because his usage is so high, higher than LeBron's, higher than all of that, and and it's a, it's it's not a good thing for the league. I feel James Harden is ruining the league a little bit. These ticky tack calls. These offensive fouls that don't get called, it's just fucking up the league, man. It's just, it's, it makes the game not fun to watch. Like, the idea is to draw fouls. I get that. Go draw fouls. Go do your thing, man. Hey, do what you do, man. I'm not hating on that. If you want to draw fouls, you want to make sure you do what you do. Hey, man, do what the fuck you want to do. I don't care. 
But the problem is, is that this is an issue. This is highlights the officiating and the incompetence of the officials. And it highlights that because what are you calling that begets this man to get almost 700 attempts? And the next closest person that's in the high usage is Anthony Davis. He's at 508. It's embarrassing. And, and you know what? Despite the fact that Anthony Davis has 508, he has games where he shot 22 free throws. He's had games <clears throat> where he shot 26 free throws. And he's still 100 and like 50 free throws behind James Harden. Like, this is not good. This is, to me, I'm, I'm pissed off about it because to me, it's disres- this is disrespectful to basketball. That's disrespectful to basketball, man. Like, I watch, I've been watching basketball. I've been watching star players go out there and, 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 and get beat up, man, tapped on the wrist, tapped on the back of the head when they draw the lane. And I don't get no fouls called. I've seen Steph Curry get brutalized in the paint, driving the lane and finishing. No foul calls. Knocked down. No foul call. Uh, makes a layup. No and ones. I've seen Russell Westbrook get damn near clothesline going up for a layup. No foul call. Nothing. That's a problem. I've seen James Harden grab a defender by the arm and then use his other arm to throw the shot up, and it's called a foul. Not an offensive foul. Wow. I've seen him head on full of steam <laughs> charge into somebody. Charge. A charge. It was a charge. It was a charge. And it's called blocking foul. I've seen him attempt a three and lean forward with his elbow, elbow somebody in the damn chest and in, in, in neck and get it called a foul. Not an offensive foul, but a foul. Just disrespectful to the game, dog. Just disrespectful to the game. This guy's going disrespectful to the game know, basketball. You know, and this is free throw disparities have always been a thing that's been. I don't know. It's always been a thing in the NBA. Like we've always heard this in the in the NBA. We've always heard this in the NBA. And I, what's the answer to it? I don't know. I mean, that's just something that's something that needs to be answered quickly. And you know I you know I kinda I kinda feel like I I feel like they, they the league said they were going out their way to change some of the fouls and, and you know, not call fouls as much. And it's like, oh, this is this is the season where they haven't called as many fouls as they usually do. This is like a thousand less foul calls. And I'm like, that's because they're not giving the right calls out. That's why the officiating is so bad. Like they're giving ticky tack calls and fouls to the people who don't deserve it. And then there's like real fouls with star players getting their ass whooped and they're not getting calls. Like the league is incompetent. I don't know if the league has like, an agenda that they're pushing right now to where 
maybe in the regular season, they're just trying to make sure James Harden gets all the calls he can get so he, his MVP case would look a lot better. Because I, I swear, if you broke James Harden down to average six to seven free throws a game at best, he's not winning an MVP. He's not winning a scoring title. If you would make sure he didn't get the calls that he gets every single time that he shouldn't get, then he'd probably average five to six free throws a game like a normal fucking star player does. Six or seven free throws like a normal fucking star player. Should not be averaging ten free throws a game. Russell Westbrook averages 7.9. Anthony Davis averages 7.9. Why is James Harden averaging 10.5? This is not for one game. This is an average. So it's that big of a disparity in the amount of free throws they take. There's like 30 games a season where Harden takes at least 12 free throws. It's just, it's just like, it's disrespectful, man. Like, I know we lived in an era where, yeah, Kobe could get to the line 14, 15 times. Jordan could get to the line 15, 16 times. But, like, those are fouls they earned. This is the hand check era. This is when it was brutal for the most part for some of them. Like, like Shaq and them was getting, was getting dog in the post. Hakeem was getting dog when he was – he just had footwork to make it to make it smooth and, and draw you off your feet. But, like, this is a different time. In the 90s, you got free throws because you earned them shits. Like, they that's had the, the Jordan thing. rules made up. But that's the you thing. You know, the Jordan rule was you, made up. Do, what happened with the Jordan rule? But that's the thing. Do, do players, like, do they get that? Um, do, do, they, do they really get those earned fouls? Because you can go up there, you can keep going to the basket and basket, and you still won't get a call. And that's the problem, though. That's the problem is that there's a lot of... And I feel of, like that's everywhere like, in basketball. Oh, definitely everywhere. I mean, it's not just the NBA, but for the NBA, for the NBA to be such a worldwide game and to be such a popular sport, that's like the NBA is such a... This year, like, this is the crazy part about the NBA is that if you look at... You always got to gauge your fan base, right? I, I say this is something for the NBA. You got to gauge your fan base. So, from what I've seen, in my experience, when you look at the the, the Nielsen ratings, uh, the tweets, the tweet traffic, and and things like that, what's telling to me in jersey sales, what's telling to me is that the team that gets the most free throws is Houston Rockets. But as a team, they don't have a draw ability. Because Houston's still a big market. I feel like Houston's a small market. It's not a like Houston is the biggest market in Texas. To be honest, it's bigger than San Antonio. It's actually bigger than Dallas. It's a big market. So Houston, even being the number one team in the league, James Harden is number eight in jersey sales. I think maybe not even that nine or ten. Chris Paul's not even in the top twelve, thirteen. And mind you. He's a new player. So their popularity is not that. For the ratings, the only Rockets games that have charted uh, in, in the top percentile of games watched this season were against the Warriors and against the Celtics. Not against the Thunder, not against the Spurs, not against anyone else, not even against the Cavs. The Cavs game 
versus the Rockets was both of those games against the Rockets, I mean Cavs and Rockets, were both in the low percentile of of the most watched games this season, nationally televised. Both of those games. So there's not if you're if you're the NBA and you're the league itself and you're looking at who makes the most chips, I'll be honest, if we're looking at who makes the most uh money and who the fans actually watch the most not just because of their own local market, but nationally televised. The two teams that would actually the high, the highest watched game this season. So people tell nationally televised. The highest watched game this season, for being honest, was the Warriors versus the Celtics, and that was the one in Oracle, which I think is still the best regular season season game that I saw. Uh, that, that didn't go to overtime. That was the most watched game. Who's the number one seller of in, in jerseys this season? Oh, I don't know. Steph Curry. Who's number two? LeBron James. Who's number three? Uh, Kevin Durant. Who's number four? Fucking Russell Westbrook. Who's number five? Kyrie Irving. These are all bigger stars than who the Houston Rockets have. So if you're a league, maybe it's time you set a precedent and say, okay, this is not a team that's deserving of the special treatment that it's been getting. But it's the truth. No one wants to see the Houston Rockets in the NBA Finals. Unless you're a James Harden fan or Chris Paul fan, no one wants to see the Rockets in the Finals. You don't want to see somebody shoot 20 free throws and, and, and the whole team jack up 47 threes. When the Cavs did it last season against the Warriors, the shit was ugly. I, I hated it. All they, did, all they did was shoot threes in game four. That was it. That was it. That's all they did. They didn't do nothing else. They made like 33 out of like 48, 49. It wasn't a fun thing to watch, just jacking up threes. Because you have J.R. Smith on your team. Of course, they made most of them, and most of them were contested. But whatever. Like, and I I think this has been kind of my thing about the league this year, that the NBA is such a weird league this year. Because to me, it's like Adam Silver is just, and a friend of mine said, you know, I think it's got something to do with their political stance in the, in, in the NBA now. And because, despite all the talk about we want players to express themselves, it, it, it feels almost like, like the Rockets have been quiet. Every player on the Rockets has been quiet about anything in social, in social justice, uh, any of the topics that other athletes have spoken out about. Like Chris Paul – was a part of the brotherhood thing at, at, at the ESPYs, I think it was, with, with you know, Mello and Wade and all them and, and all that shit, and Braun. But he hasn't said anything else since. He's been very quiet, like virtually, like completely just ghost quiet, like said nothing. And then when you look at shit like that, to me, when you look at shit like that, uh, what bothers me about that personally is because it's like, all right, so the Warriors have been the most outspoken team this year in the, in the NBA. And, you know, they don't get the call from somebody like it's a political thing. Like there's so many theories on why the the league doesn't get the, the foul calls they deserve, you know, doesn't get this, doesn't get that. Like, it, like the referees have their own agendas. There's so much. But for Houston, it doesn't make any sense. Like I said, if the NBA is about making money, the last thing you want, in my honest opinion, is the Houston Rockets NBA Finals. It's it's between them and the, and the Toronto Raptors. They're both going to be the number one seeds in the respective conferences. 
but nobody wants either one of those teams to make the finals. Nobody wants to watch it. I love the NBA finals. I love the NBA. I'll be honest with you. I would not watch the Houston versus Toronto finals. Like, it's in June, in the summertime, I'd be out doing every game. Legit. I'd be out. Did it knock Sherm out? I think we lost Drew, actually. Don't know where he went. Talking about the um, free throw disparity, the the calls, everything. I I think we have an issue with that in the. Uh, I'm back. NBA. I'm back. Okay. I'm back. All right. I'm uh, back. I was like, what, was like, what, what the heck? So I don't know what happened. It was like they just, just randomly cut me off. They randomly cut me off. But yeah, uh, but back. Uh, I'll wrap that up. Like I said, it's just I, like the league is just doing setting some bad precedents for how they're going about certain things and what they're doing. And I don't, I don't think – I think they need to nip that in the bud. And I think once the playoffs come, uh, the defensive pressure is different. Um, the, the foul calls are different. The tic-tac-y calls do get called, but they're not going to get called as plentiful, and they're not going to stop the game as much uh, in the playoffs for those, for those type of calls. Um, so I, I don't think it'll, it'll last. But um, – Matt, I did write an article that I think people should check out. Uh, it's on Eyes on the Ring, and it was about – well, it, it had, I had two of them. First of all, I had one about WrestleMania 34, which I know you don't talk wrestling on this show. But uh, we had some big news this week about wrestling. Uh, well, we do sometimes really talk big about news. wrestling. Not that often, but we do, but – Well, all, I, all I'll say is Daniel Bryan is wrestling again in the WWE – and I'm happy about that. I think it's it's long overdue. I spoke my feelings on why he should have been wrestling for the last two years, uh, but WWE, for their own selfish reasons, held him out. But whatever, you know, it is what it is on that. But I, I wrote an article on WrestleMania 34, and I actually took time on it, uh, you know, instead of just kind of tossing together. I actually took time on it, and I wrote about what I think of WrestleMania 34 and the good and the bad. But I also wrote one on the Golden State Warriors. Now, of course, Matt, you have your jokes about me and the Golden State Warriors. However, the reason why I wrote this article is because, Matt, I've said this before. Like I, said, I think I said this on, uh, on Sunday. I hate their fan base. Yeah, you did, I, and I agreed with you, and I told you that they can't hoop, but that's a different story. I mean, man, you, you can't hoop even no more. I mean, you, you get no, you can't hoop either. But that's a whole other story. We're not, we're not going to talk about you, man. We're not going to talk about you. But, no, like, it, it bothered me. Look, look it, it, this is what bothers me, and, I, and this is why I wrote the article, because I legitimately believe that the Golden State Warriors have what might be the smartest playoff strategy going into this playoff in the Eastern Conference over anybody. I fully believe that. 
Now, if you go to eyesonthering.com, you can check out that, uh, what I call the Golden State Warriors playoff, uh, playoff strategy. I believe they're selling wolf tickets. I know people don't use this term a lot. But I believe they're selling wolf tickets about a number of things. Earlier today, it was announced Steph Curry will probably play tomorrow for the first time in two weeks against the Atlanta Hawks. First of all, against a tanking team on the second night of a back-to-back, uh, yeah, that's probably a good thing to do, bring them back against the team. You're not going to exercise a whole lot of energy against probably. Uh, see if Steph can drop 30, 35, maybe 40, 45, uh, you know, get his numbers get his numbers looking good. I think that's that's a good idea. Clay Thompson is very is, is very close to returning. KD has advanced on his quote unquote rib injury that apparently was so bad it was supposed to keep him out two to four weeks, but coincidentally it's healed now. It's healed a lot, but it's healed a lot faster. He's 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 practicing again. He's about to get some some contact practice in sometime this weekend. Uh, probably will practice Saturday as will Draymond. Draymond will probably play Sunday. KD could play as early as Sunday or Tuesday. I mean, Matt, the league ain't going to really look into this and investigate it. But I call bullshit. I call bullshit. I call absolute bullshit on every single thing that the Warriors have said. Steph's ankle, yes, I get that's a concern. I believe he tweaked it. And that's been an issue. I get it. The, the ankle tweak. But let's be honest. If you keep stepping on people's foot when you're driving the lane and all that shit, uh, that, that's going to be a problem. So, yeah. I mean, plenty of people step on people's ankles, get a small little sprain. Like, there's been like five to six different players that are playing and still going strong and have sprained their ankle multiple times and either didn't come back in the same game or they did come back in the same game and they might set out the other game and they come back. Just because of Steph Curry, people are like, oh, man, his ankle's like horrible. It's going to get fucked up for good. And I'm like, it's probably not. They're taking the proper provisions, which is why he was resting for two weeks. This is a part of what I said in the article, part of the strategy. Steph Curry is the most important piece to the Golden State Warriors. Could he have played against Portland, Minnesota, L.A., any of the other games that he could have, that he could have played in? Yes, he could have. That was said clearly by Steve Kerr and the training staff. If Steph, if it was the playoffs and they needed Steph to play, he played against Portland, he played against Minnesota, he would have went back in the game against San Antonio. He was lobbying to go back in the game. Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's been carrying a lot of the load. So what's the smartest way to, way to go about it? Why don't you just say, hey, you got a little small lingering rib issue. Let's give you a week or two off. Rest your body, you know, get back in the gym, heal, heal, heal your wounds. You're good. You're good, right? All right, awesome. It's the extended rest period for the Golden State Warriors that makes the difference. This makes the difference. David West has some time out. He's got to get back in rhythm. Jordan Bell, Patrick McCall, all had time out. He's got to get in rhythm. While that's happening, Andre Godala's finding his, his swag. Sean Livingston finding his, his momentum. And Quinn Cook has become an amazing piece 
for them. A, 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 another scoring option, aside from Nick Young, Livingston, David West, and, and Iguodala, now you got Quinn Cook. Now you got Quinn Cook. Clay Thompson will be back in like a week. KD will be back in less than a week. Seth Curry will be back. And Draymond Green, he he, he got a little groin injury thing. He just got knee the balls, I think, or some shit like that. And they're really bad. I think it was like it hurts. It really hurt. I mean, it might be something deeper than just getting knee the ball. I don't know. But that's what it seems like. So the Golden State Warriors will be going into April fully healthy. Rest, well rested. And they'll use the last eight, seven to eight games of the season to pretty much get in in playoff form. It's the smartest possible strategy for a team that doesn't care about the regular season like that. Now, I was talking to a Golden State Warriors fan today. I was talking to a couple of them today. Uh, mostly because of my article, they they responded to the article and was like, "I don't know, I'm, I'm nervous," and I and I said this, I keep saying it. Golden State Warriors fans are spoiled, spoiled. I remember them Spreewell days, the Baron Davis and Jason Richardson days. I remember them. Most of their fans weren't old enough to remember that, and if they were old, and they are old enough to remember that, they wasn't watching no damn Warriors. There were either Sacramento Kings fans or Laker fans. You know what I'm saying? Like, they want something else. So, like, I, I remember the days when it was Monte Ellis, Steven Jackson, when it was all of them dudes. Like, I remember that shit. Matt Barnes. Like, I remember them niggas. I remember them. I remember them. I remember those years. It was not pretty. I remember when Steph first got there, and they couldn't win shit. They couldn't win jack shit. I remember Mark Jackson taking over, and the, and, the, and the team finally starting to turn it around, starting to get better. Clay coming into the fold. They, they drafted Draymond. Uh, they got, they got David Lee. They had Iguodala come over. I remember all of these things as it happened. When they got piece after piece, Barbosa piece after piece, and they worked to become what they are. And after winning 67 games, 73 games, 67 games in a row, a fan told me today he didn't feel that the Golden State Warriors are better than they were last year because of the fact he hasn't seen them in that light. Now, I just want to point out, with Steph Curry in the lineup, Golden State Warriors are like 41. This, is a war- this was a Warriors fan? The Warriors fan. It's a Warriors fan. Mind you, with Steph Curry in, Steph Curry in, in the lineup, they're 41 and 9. Without Steph Curry in the lineup, they're 12. I think 12 and so. Not even, no, it's 41 and 9. And there's like, they're 12 and 9 without him in the lineup. They got the same amount of losses without him as they do with him. But 29 more wins with him on the floor. So imagine Steph Curry plays 78 games this season, 79. He's not going to be able to this year. He'll probably finish with 60, 61. But let's say Steph Curry plays 78, 79 games, didn't miss no time. I guarantee if this team has stayed fully healthy this entire season, 
Golden State Warriors would have been easily to me. They'd have been number one. They'd have been number one seed. They probably would have finished around 60, 68, 69, 70 games. I think this is the most versatile team they've had. Honestly, I think it's the most versatile team they have. I didn't think last year's Golden State Warriors team was actually that great. I'll be honest. I didn't think it was that great. Ian Clark, Matt Barnes, Zaza Pachulia, I didn't think it was that great. Like, certain pieces, I didn't think it was that great. James Michael McAdoo, really? It wasn't that great. To me, I just think that's the best team they've had. It's just that they've had hurdles, and they're bored, and they're bored. Like, they've been coasting. Like, it's been clear they've been coasting all season, and I told the fan this. I'm like, dude, as a fan of this team, when they've had to turn it up, what's happened? They went against the Celtics. Uh, they went against the Thunder. They had to bounce back against the Thunder. What they do? 32-point win after getting their ass whooped. They they went against, you know, this team, that team, and they took it to them. And so, like, this is a, this is what, you know what I mean, they went against Cleveland, who was their biggest rival the last three years, and won both of those games. Like, when they need to turn it on, they can turn it on. Since the All-Star break, before Steph went out for these last, what was it, like the last six games, before Steph went out, since the All-Star break, or basically since the beginning of February, number one team in all statistics has been Golden State, whether it's been defense, blocks, Basically everything except what steals and rebounds. All right, but all all the plus and minus and all that extra bullshit and advanced stats all goes to the Warriors. Number one, they were number one in offense. Uh, they were like number two in defense. And then Utah's number one now. But like before Steph got injured, they went on a like seven eight game win streak. Uh, they were dusting off a couple of teams. They were creating, you know what I mean, like creating some good rhythm. And now, to me. They're better than they've been, period. This is the best that they've been all season right now. It don't look like it because they're 53 and 18 and lost four of their last, what, seven? But to me, those are what builds character. I mean, Matt, you remember last season when, when KD went down and then Steve Kerr rested everybody for one game against the Spurs and then they won like 17 games, 16, 17 games in a row? Some shit like that. Yeah. What's happening? And I was telling the fan, I'm like, yo, you have to realize this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. If you play 46 minutes in a game to beat the Orlando Magic, if you play uh, 41 minutes, 42 minutes to beat the Detroit Pistons for no reason, that's the things you don't want to do in late March, early April, hitting into playoff time. You don't want to do these things. If you're building bad habits to where you're averaging 14, 15, 16 turnovers, that's what you want to cut down on. That's for any team, whether it's the uh, whether it's the Cavs, whether it's the Celtics, whether it's the Rockets, whether whoever it's Thunder, anybody that's a top team, the Raptors. If you're a top team in the NBA, you want to cut down on the bad and focus on uplifting every piece that will help you going into the playoffs. When you're playing meaningless games in March or uh, in April trying to push for something that you don't need to push for, it doesn't really make a difference. 
And see, here's the, here's the crazy part about what the Rockets are doing. The Rockets still have a four-game cushion over the Warriors. They're, they're 40, 50, 58 and 14. The Warriors win tomorrow. Warriors be, what, 40, 54 and 18, right? So let's say the Warriors win out the rest of the season. If you're the Rockets, when do you pick and choose who to rest, how to rest, so your players will be fresh? Because they don't have the liberty of shutting down a player for two weeks if if they got some ailments. They're not going to do it. So by the time May rolls around, this is very this is actually an older team. This is something I was saying to the to the fans like the Rockets are our biggest threat. I'm not like I'm so worried about the Rockets. They're so good. And I was like, how good are they though? For every advanced stat nerd that's trying to tell you their numbers make them the number one team overall. Their offense, they still don't average the most points per game, even against the Warriors team that's had horrible games against Minnesota without Steph and without KD, without Clay, uh, against the, the Suns, the Kings. Even still, those are still number one. This entire season, still number one. They haven't dropped off yet. Defensive rating, they're still number four or five. Houston's like number 10 or 11. Houston is like 25th in transition defense. They're 11th in half court. It makes no sense how they're still in the top 10. There's other little advanced stats that make them top 10 in defense this season. But in terms of their transition, they're horrible in transition, actually. They, get, they really get killed in transition. Half court defense, eh, it's okay. But, you know, I was telling dude, like, yo, like, you really stressing over a team that's going to probably win 60 games again for the fourth straight season. How many teams have done this in the fucking history of the NBA? Like, seriously. How many teams have done this ever? The Bulls went three years winning 60 games, right? They won three championships. All right. Cool. Three years, 72, 69-62. They didn't sustain it for four years. They took a break, two years, came back and did it again. But, like, how many teams have done that? The Spurs themselves had a 50, what? They had a they had a 61-21 season or a 60-22 season. Then they fell a 55-27. and 27. They did 67-15. Then they did, what, 61-21 last season. And they're not gonna they're not gonna get anywhere. They're not gonna even probably win fifty games this year. So when you look at shit like that, to me, like the the level of spoiled entitlement that Warriors fans, especially these new ones, have, like this is to me the reason why I can appreciate the Warriors so much. This is a once in a in a generation type of thing that we're never gonna see in this era probably again. Like there's no team. In the East, maybe Toronto, but I doubt it, that's going to actually win 60 games. The last team to win 60 games in the fucking East was the Atlanta Hawks. And we also had to them motherfuckers. We also had to them. So it's like, I think, like, I saw that. It should just bother me. I'm like, yo, you're putting too much emphasis on this regular season shit when a team that just set 
three of the best regular season records. 67 wins does not happen every single season. It does not happen every three or four seasons. It does not happen that often. This is something you don't see like that. Like, look at the teams that have won 67 games plus in their entire in their entire run. There's not that many. Uh, the, the the Lakers, the Showtime Lakers, I don't think the Showtime Lakers won 67 games ever. They won, what, 65, 64, I think 62, 60, something like that in a four-year run. They never won 67 I... Think so, but I also think too at that time. I also think at that time it was just it, it, it's very different. It was a much different time during those during those years, you know, because I don't think players now. I don't think a lot of players and in, in certain coaches now take the pre or take the regular season that serious like that. You know, Not I don't think a lot of teams. I don't think a lot of teams do. If they do, it's those teams who are in what? It, they're not the the ones who are trying to make the playoffs. You hardly see the title contenders really take the regular season <coughs> serious. You know, the true and contenders. Matt, like I, I was, I was wrong. I, I was wrong. Uh, I, I wasn't wrong, but uh, it was. Three seasons of 62 wins and one season of 65 wins uh, between okay. 1984 and 87 for the Lakers. So I was wrong about that, but close enough, whatever. Sorry, right. let's go ahead. But I don't I, – I, I honestly, I believe that um, – I, I honestly believe that when you – when when teams go out here and they're contenders, like the Warriors, like the Rockets, you know, it's like do, or, or like the Cavs, for instance. Like you have LeBron sit there and say, "I don't care what seed we are," you know. I come when, to you when the playoffs come, yeah, when playoffs come, then you know, because it's all about with these teams. It's like when we get to the playoffs, that's when it matters. That's when we start playing. Regular season really don't. The, it, it, it don't matter like that to these players. Where back then, regular season and the playoffs were everything. Now, I'm just saying this. I wasn't born at that time, but I'm just saying that from the outside looking in. When you watched yeah, basketball the during when, – when you yeah. watched basketball, and even during the mid-'90s, and, and I'll say during the 90s, during the, the 2000s, during the early to mid-2000s, it seemed like the regular season was everything. I don't know. To me, it seemed like the regular season was everything. And then when playoffs hit, that was – I mean, like icing on a a cake. Exactly. Because you were looking forward to what was going to come for the playoffs. Now – it's like teams, you know, it's like, well, we got to rest up because we know we're going to make the playoffs. But we got to rest up to make sure we're fresh for the playoffs. You know, we got to rest up, make sure we're fresh and everything. This is why, and this is why I said in the past, I truly think when Kobe retired, he was the last of a breed. 
I definitely, I definitely think that. Yeah, I could, I could agree with that. I, because as many, as much as people like to clown on Kobe, and which a lot of people do for whatever time given reason, Not I think with a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't understand. Understand, he was that player who, when they had that competitive, he he had he was that player that had that competitive fire. He had that old school feel. <clears throat> He was he, he was that player that you can't match his drive. Now yes, towards everyone goes, well Kobe rested in game. But Kobe was at the end of his career and Kobe was battling legit injuries. Injuries that caught up to him. That's also true. Yeah. Uh, Oh well, Kobe resting. Well, these players—they're also fighting through injuries. They're fighting through. They're getting rested for the playoffs. They're fighting through nicks and little nicks and pain. Kobe battling through what? Multiple heavy injuries from heavy, from multiple injuries, injuries shoulder tears, fractures, all of that. But that's why I'm sitting what? here. I'm like. And I was just telling somebody, I was like, I know what the Warriors are doing. Yeah, they're saying, oh, well, someone's hurt. The one person who I really believe is legitly hurt is Steph Curry. Other than that, they're telling these dudes, hey, rest. They're going to let the bench players play, you know, they get they shine on, they get their chemistry on, and then when the playoffs come, boom, they're hitting on all cylinders. And that. In, I, don't, in itself, I don't think these dudes are really hurt. I don't think these dudes, with well, the exception, like I said, with the exception of Steph Curry, I don't think a lot any of these dudes are really hurt like that. They're just resting. They're just saying and that be, they're hurt so they don't face the screen. And I'll be honest. And I'll be honest on that. I don't. I don't even think. I think Steph is hurt, but I don't think Steph is hurt to 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 the way that people think he is, because it's been stated, and I believe this. That if he really had to play, he would have played against Portland. Because if you remember, they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to take him on. You know, he, he didn't come back to the Spurs game, but we're going to take him uh, on the road trip. But it's like, nah, you know what? Like, I, I said this in the article. I think a light bulb went off in Steve Kerr's head. Like, wait, wait. This is a perfect opportunity. Why are we struggling and mm-hmm. fighting? For the second, for the first seed, let Houston kill themselves, and that's what they're doing. Slow key, that's really easy. People are like, oh no, they're not playing as many minutes. Like it's not always about exactly how many minutes you play; it's about how your body can can recharge, re-energize, and when eventually the 80, 82 game season can wear on you a little bit. It does, and it's certain athletes that it doesn't, but. Once you had a run like Golden State, and I've always wanted to, to point this out, I always felt like the way to do it, in my opinion, the Kobe and Shaq era is, in my opinion, the way you should do it. Because look at the look at the regular season run of Kobe and Shaq. Right, it wasn't pretty. Sixty-seven and fifteen was that year that they really went out and tried to. To, to go hard in a regular season, kill everything, and then they got into the playoffs and what happened? Almost got beat by, by Blazers. 
taking the six games by the Pacers, right? So what happens the very next season? What do they do? They go 56 and 26, right? They do finish first in their, con- in their, in their division, but they finish second in the conference. They conceded, in my opinion, they conceded. They had to work out chemistry issues throughout the year because of Kobe and Shaq shit, but they worked out their issues. By the time the playoffs came, did it even fucking matter? No, it didn't. They went 15-1 and one against the Spurs, who took the number one seed. And what did they do to the Spurs that people thought, oh, the Spurs are better than them? The Spurs are better than Shaq and Kobe. What did they do to the Spurs in 2001 without home court advantage? They swept them, motherfuckers. They swept the shit out of them. They finished third in the West. The next year, when they were going for their three-peat, they, had, they went 58-24. and 24. That's not an eye-popping, you know what I mean? That's not an eye-popping uh, fucking, you know what I mean? That's not an eye-popping regular season record. But it's decent. It's good enough to get third seed in the West. That's all they needed because they were that good that the Spurs and the Kings, granted, there's some controversy about that King series in the conference final, whatever. But guess what? They beat the number two seed that had home court advantage on them, the San Antonio Spurs, and they beat the Sacramento Kings. And then in 2004, even though in 2004 they didn't win a championship, the Minnesota Timberwolves were the number one seed in 2004. Home court advantage. What happened to the Minnesota Timberwolves? I'm sorry. I think they got beaten like five or six. I think they got beaten five games. I think. Maybe six. Can't remember. But the home court advantage didn't matter. When you got the talent, when you got the people on your team, all of that first seed shit, it really doesn't matter. LeBron only been the fucking first seed in the East. Let's keep it a buck. LeBron only been the first seed in the East. 2013 and 2016 in the seven-year run. The nigga been in the finals every single year. 2011, who was the number one seed? Oh, I don't know. Chicago Bulls that went 61 and 62 and 20. I remember this. Who was, number, who was the number one seed the next year in the lockout season? The Chicago Bulls. Of course I remember this. They won like 50 games out of 66. They won 50 and 16. It didn't matter. The Heat in 2013, the year LeBron won his MVP, almost not, uh, you know, unanimously, they won 66 and 16, number one seed, got to the, to the conference finals, Almost lost to the Indiana Pacers. Should have lost to the San Antonio Spurs. 2014, number two seed. Go against the Indiana Pacers. Barely get past them in six games and then get their ass whooped by the Spurs who want to revenge. Okay, 2015, what happens? They're the number two seed. Go in to play the Atlanta Hawks. Sweep them motherfuckers. 2017, they're the number two seed. They go into against the Boston Celtics. Beat them in five games. 2018, they're the third seed. They seem locked into the third seed. What's going to happen? Do you trust Boston over them, Toronto over them? You don't really trust them. When it comes to the NBA, 
the type of shit that we cared about, home court, hell, I'll do you one better. Chicago Bulls in the Michael Jordan era, 1993. They were going for a three-peat, going for their third championship. Where did they finish in the East? Number two. Who had home court advantage in, in the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe it was? The goddamn New York Knicks. Who won that series? The Chicago Bulls. They finished 57-25. and 25. A lot of the fans, I remember this because my uncle was a Chicago Bulls fan. That's how I got into it. He was like, man, I don't know. The Bulls look shaky this year. I was like, no, they got Michael Jordan, best player in the world. They got it. And what happened? They went again, they, they were in the Phoenix against the Phoenix Suns, 62-20, and 20, the team of destiny, and they beat the motherfuckers in six games, won the third championship. Hell, if you want to keep it a buck, the sixth championship, they were 62-20, and 20, right? The Jazz were 62-20, and 20, but the Jazz, I think, had home court advantage. So what happened? The Chicago Bulls come in with no home court advantage in the finals and win in six games. With Scottie Pippen injured during that series. So everybody that's panicking, if you're a Warriors fan, if you're a Cavs fan and you're panicking, get the fuck out of here, man. This does not matter. The regular season matters to us because we're fans and we watch 82 games or most of the 82 games and we care. But to the players in this era, your preservation and staying healthy and focused on a goal, that's what matters the most. For a team like Golden State that's been in three straight finals and won two out of three, should have won all three of them, really, but they won two out of three. They know the long, strenuous grind. If this team can come in their fourth straight year and win 60 to 62 games, which is what they're on tap for, considering their schedule is pretty easy for the most part, and they'll be fully healthy coming soon. If that's the case, if this team says this team finishes, hell, let's say they win out this year or lose one more game and then win the rest, and they finish the season 63 and 19 or 64 and 18 or 62 and 20, whatever. And this is a team that can can – do what they're trying to do, which you can tell. If you're, if you're a fan of the NBA and you know strategy, you know what they're going for. Matt, you know what they're going for. I know what they're going for. The goal for the Golden State Warriors is to do what they couldn't do last season, and that's go 16-0. Is it likely? No, it's not likely. But that's their goal. And what gives them the best chance of doing that? I don't know. All the players being real west, well rested, get a chance to refresh, you know, take some time off, rest their bodies, get they, they being take healthy, time off, come back, being fully healthy, all of that. What's gonna happen? Let's say you go into the first round, your opponent is the San Antonio Spurs that don't have Kawhi Leonard, or your opponent is like the maybe the Utah Jazz. I'm gonna go with the Spurs though. Because the Spurs looking like they might fall to number or the, or the, even the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves for the Golden State Warriors, the best ever. That's the best first round opponent for the Houston Rockets, the Utah Jazz, San Antonio Spurs. Your worst nightmare. Two of the top two defenses. Rockets will probably win the first round, but it'll be tougher. You play against the Jazz. You play against the Spurs. Somebody might get injured. Somebody might get exhausted. Somebody might get hurt. Now imagine if the Golden State Warriors play the Minnesota Timberwolves or a Kawhi Leonard-less Spurs and they're fully healthy. What they going to do? Run right through them first round. Probably sweep both of them. 
fully healthy Warriors against the, the Wolves that play 41 minutes a night, 39 minutes a night in the regular season? Really? Really? They're going to wash them boys. And in the second round, you could either go against, say, the New Orleans Pelicans maybe or the, the, the Portland Trailblazers. A fully healthy Warriors team in the playoffs with a goal in mind against the Blazers. I just want to remind people what happened last season. And keep in mind, Kevin Durant didn't even play in the playoffs in the first round until the last game, so game four. And he played 12, 15 minutes. And the Warriors won game four by like 30 points. Just thought I'd put that out. Mind you, the Blazers didn't add that many more people. They didn't change much about their team. It's just they're just playing very well right now. Every team hits that. Like OKC has good moments, then they got trash moments. Blazers are playing really great right now. They've had trash moments this season too. They struggled. It was one point they didn't look like they were going to make the playoffs at one point. They were struggling. So this is a team that's inconsistent. In the playoffs? Come on, man. Dame and CJ can cook all they want, but they have no defensive option to slow down KD in a healthy Steph Curry or Klay Thompson or even Draymond Green. Or if you bring in Quinn Cook off the bench with a Nick Young, Andre Iguodala, David West, Sean Livingston. It's the deepest team in the league. You're not going to beat them. So what they're going for is 16-0. and The only thing that stands in their way of going 16-0, and in my opinion, is in the West, and that's Houston or OKC. But is it possible for the Warriors in the playoffs, fully healthy, well-rested against a team, a, a Mike D'Antoni coach team or a Billy Donovan coach team with two inconsistent players? as a part of a big three, because Paul George can be inconsistent in the playoffs in the regular season, and so can Melo. Do you really trust those teams? I don't. I definitely don't trust the Rockets. I really don't trust the Rockets. Their defense is suspect. Golden State had the best defense last season. In the I've been playoffs. saying this. I've been and, saying well, that. We know this anyway. Like, we, we all know this. Like, we've been Just like, look, at the one reason look, why at he, look at what he did. Look at what he did in Phoenix. I'm not even gonna count the Lakers because that's just you can that didn't happen. You can say all the stories you happened. want. That didn't happen. But look at what <laughs> he did in Phoenix. This reminds me of Phoenix so much. This reminds me of Phoenix so much. It really reminds me of Phoenix so so much. Because how many yep. times have we seen the Phoenix Suns as contenders, as number one in the in the number one or number two in the West? How many times have we seen that? Now, how many times, where have they gone since then? What did that Phoenix team do since then? Nothing. So what do you think? Now, mind you, Phoenix, they had Steve Nash, who was at the time one of the best point guards in the league, if if not probably the best point guard in the league at the time. Now you have James Harden, you have Chris Paul, which is something you have a score, you have a score, and you have one of the best point guards in the league. Yes, Chris Paul is still one of the best point guards in the league. Okay, you have some some height, you have some some uh, some length. All right, you got some height and some length. But I can't help but think 
that de- that their defense is not enough. They don't play enough defense to get them past a team like a a um the like the Warriors because they have the offensive firepower to go with to to go with the um with the Warriors. They have the offensive firepower to do it. Contrary to belief, they can't. But but you can't consistently. Eventually, you have to get a stop, and that's where the thing, the issue is going to be, is when you need to get a stop. Can you get a stop on consistent uh, consistently? Can you get a defensive stop consistently? I don't think so. I think their defense will put them in will put them in a lot of trouble in a seven game series. <laughs> Also, there's also something that okay. I don't. I'm not of the belief that James Harden is a playoff choker. I want to go off a playoff choker, but what I will say is his game doesn't translate as well into the playoffs because it's a small sample size that never really evens out. And what I mean is, like, okay, in 2015, he had his best run in the playoffs. He averaged 27 a game, uh, almost eight assists, six rebounds, shot 92% from the free throw line, um, 38 from three, and 44 from the field total. Now, the last two seasons, he shot 41% from the field. One year he shot 31% from three, which is absolutely – that's absolutely horrible. I'm sorry. And then he shot 28% from three last year in the playoffs. We also averaged in both, both of those, he averaged almost six turnovers a game during those playoffs. Of course, it's a small sample size, five, five games in 2016, 11 games, and he played 17 games in 2015. What happens, in my opinion, is that it evens out for him. Because he plays, he played more games in 2015. If you look at his run in the first two rounds, before he got five games by the Warriors in 2015, he was very subpar and consistent. It's not that he's a play- to me, it's not a, he's not a playoff choker. He's just not that good, and he's not that efficient. If you look at James Harden's stats this season, and the amount of games he shot under 40% from the field and under 30, 35% from three, <clears throat> there's like 35 of his 60 games where he shot well under 40%. He's got games of seven for 27, seven of 18, uh, Six of 19 from the field, six of 18 from the field. Um, like he's got, I mean, tonight, four of 20, five for 18. These, and mind you, these are all games like, like his consistency as a shooter, three of 15. Like he'll go two, three of 15, and in the next game, he goes 10 of 26. Then they have one game, he'll go nine of 16. Then it's five of 16, eight of 22. Then he's 19 to 30. Great game. 
10 of 20, awesome game, 5 of 16, 7 of 18. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's inconsistency with him. Like, he, like it, 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 his inconsistency as a shooter and as a, you know, like, oh, like since the All-Star break from three-point, his recent, his, his recent run after the All-Star break, he shot three of ten from three, then he shot six of ten, then he shot one of five, three of ten, three of twelve, one of three, three of ten, oh, four, four of eight, two of eleven, two of eight, four of thirteen, two of nine, five of seven, and then the night zero of eight. He's a very inconsistent scorer. So I said offensively, I don't think the Rockets can actually hang with the Warriors when the Warriors play defense, their best defense. I don't think they can hang with them. I don't. I really don't think they can hang with them. Like, if, if you look at their offense, people said that this is the most efficient offense. But if James Harden shooting 44, 36, 37 from three, and Chris Paul is around 47, 41, and, and like 91, that's, that's an efficient score. Chris Paul is the most efficient player on the Houston Rockets. His usage is just not that good. But also, for Chris Paul, Chris Paul is not going to kill you in the mid. He's not going to kill you in the mid range in the playoffs against the Golden State Warriors. Golden State actually defends the mid range very well, and they defend the three point, and they can run Houston off the three point line. That is probably what their what their strategy is: run Houston off the three point line. If you run Houston off the three point line like the Detroit Pistons did tonight. And there's the thing. They ran them off the three-point line, but they still jacked up 53s. Now, imagine them doing that against the Golden State Warriors in a playoff game. Nobody scores more points off their their opposing teams missing or on, on, on a fast break than Golden State because they play at the second-highest pace in the NBA behind, I think, the Lakers. So these are the th- things that make the Rockets, to me, not legit in the sense because their their fast break, their pace. The Rockets play with the 20th fastest pace in the NBA. They're 20 in pace. If the Warriors control the pace, this is how they beat them. If you remember, if you watched every Rockets game versus the Warriors this year, there was the opening night game. What happened in the opening night game? The Warriors came out to a hot start because they played and they controlled the pace. When Draymond Green went out at the end of the third quarter, they stopped playing their same pace. They didn't push the pace like that. Ended up losing that game by one point. The second game they played, there was no Kevin Durant, uh, no Andre Iguodala, and there was no James Harden. All right, there's not a full roster. But the Warriors started off trailing in that game. It was like, watch, but the Warriors started out trailing every game in damn near this season. I don't think they've, went, they've had a lead in 80% of the games they played this year going at the half. But in the third, in third quarter, they came out, they adjusted, took the lead, and then they pulled it by the end of the fourth because they started playing faster pace. They started playing better defense. This is what's going to be a challenge because their defensive pressure is above and beyond mostly every other team, except for maybe the Celtics, the Jazz, and the Spurs. Those are the only teams that can play better defense. T 
to me. And it's it's not a thing of they naturally play better. They can play better defense. They don't always do. So I think to me, like watching watching the last game. What was the last game the Warriors had against the Spurs? Right? I think it was the Spurs when they like Draymond so. was out. And I watched that game, and dude, I'm gonna tell you, I watched that game, and I said this to Peagle. I was like, yo, that is the probably the best game that the Golden State Warriors have played defensively this entire season. And he's like, what? He was like, what you mean? And I was like, the reason why I think it's the best game defensively is because they didn't have the best defensive player in Draymond. They didn't have their second best defender in Clay. They didn't have their rim protector in probably the best two, one of the best two-way players, if not the best, in KD. They didn't have their offensive juggernaut in Steph Curry. And yet, this was a team who was down by 15 points when Draymond Green left the game in the second quarter. And they came back and outscored between the third quarter, between the end of the second into the third quarter. They outscored the San Antonio Spurs 34-18. to Over 17 minutes, they held the Spurs. A team that had just put up 115 points on the Wolves. A team that had put up 102 at one point against the, the Rockets. With the same roster, Manu Ginobili, uh, Tony Parker, Rudy Gay. No Kawhi Leonard, but still. The same team that put up like 108 on the Celtics, number one defense. They were in San Antonio and held that team to under 90 points as well as a 13-point third quarter with Quinn Cook as the number one option, Nick Young as the second option, and I think Andre Goddard was the third. That was the best game they played, and that to me is the turning point. That's where you watch a team that can go out there and hold a team like the Spurs. That was mostly intact, minus Kawhi Leonard, but guess what? That team, minus Kawhi Leonard, has wins over the Cavs, wins over Boston, wins over, I think, OKC, I think a win over the Raptors, uh, a win over the Blazers, uh, a win over every other team in the NBA. And the Warriors have owned that team when fully healthy. And a non-fully healthy team with four players out against that Spurs team, the, the third best defense in the league right now, they kept up with them and literally with a depleted roster and defended them as best as they've ever defended anybody. To me, that was the best defensive game of the year for them because with their bench, if their bench plays defense like that and can hold any team to 14 points in a single quarter, that team can go 16-0. and You know who can't play defense like that? I ain't going to say the Rockets. The Rockets can play decent defense. They're, they're decent. They're not a great defensive team. Like the Spurs, the Jazz, the Celtics, the Warriors. Those are great defensive teams to me when they want to be. The Warriors are great defense when they want to be. If they don't care like that, as you've seen this season and sometimes last season, they just don't care. If they don't care, they don't care. Like, What's the point of stressing yourself out about a meaningless game? Playoffs, though, much different. Now, that's the thing. Eastern Conference, 
I actually believe that the Cleveland Cavaliers could lose this season, but they probably won't. It'll probably be Warriors and Cavs again because LeBron has been patting himself on the back for doing the most dumbest feats, like the dumbest shit ever. He pats himself on the back for the dumbest shit ever this season. Motherfucker, the game, you, you lose the game, lost the game by like 20 points, and they show his highlights. But I think the league is going to give LeBron one last finals, and he's going to lose pretty badly probably to the Warriors, but don't give him one last finals. Guarantee if, if the Raptors go up 3-2 in the series on, on, on the Cavs, guarantee LeBron going to shoot 30 free throws in the last two games just to make sure they win. Guarantee they ain't called no fouls. I guarantee that. Hell, I'll say the same thing for the Rockets and the Warriors. Guarantee. All of a sudden, Steph Curry going to turn to James Harden and shoot 20 free throws a game. Because the league don't want that. But I actually think the Cavs could actually be beat this season. I believe they could be beat this season. And the reason why is because their their deficiencies on defense – Make them 26th or 27th in the entire league. 26th, 27th in the league. They just gave up 129 points to the Raptors. Now, they won the game, but but it took a 35.17 assist, zero turnover game from Braun. It took Kevin Love to shoot like, like 80% from the field. J.R. Smith had to be efficient. George Hill, Jordan Carson all had to be efficient. Like, it took a perfect performance offensively to to win a game. Here's a question I want to ask, and then we got to cut it uh, tonight. But do you foresee – so you're saying you think the Cavs will end up (laughs) – with with them getting Kevin Love back, the Cavs will end up going back to the to the finals because how the way it looks, then is getting hurt. Yeah, all at the wrong time. Yeah, Boston is yep. it, it, it is being swarmed with injuries right now, and they're going to be without Kyrie Irving, who's getting a, a second opinion on his knee, and we all know what that means. We all know we we all know what that means. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I mean, who, so so you're thinking so you're thinking Cavs and and Warriors four. Uh, yeah, only because the Celtics aren't healthy. That's the only reason why. Um, I think a fully healthy Celtics team in the playoffs could probably push the Cavs to six or seven games, and I think the difference is, is the reason why. The, the Raptors are not are not the threat. The Raptors are not a threat. Uh, I will say, this is the biggest they've ever been a threat to the Cavs, because the Raptors are a top three offense and a top four defense in the league. But that's regular season. So playoff time, you make the adjustments. Now, can the Cavs defend? They have some defenders. You got Larry Nance, decent defender when he wants to be. Yeah, George Hill, who's a decent defender when he wants to be. Kevin Love can get you twenty and ten every night if you wanted it. So I I think they have if the Cavs do make the finals, it's because their offense 
was as close to perfection during a, a pivotal series as possible because their defense ain't going to win them shit. You got to hope for DeRozan and, and Kyle Lowry to, to go cold, which will probably happen. It, it, is, it is just working in their favor because, like, shit like that. But if the Celtics were fully healthy, absolutely. I think it'd be Warriors and Celtics. I'd rather Warriors and Celtics than Cavs and Warriors for because I fully believe this Cavs team versus the Warriors. There's, there's a lot of specialists. And something I was talking about to my else, there's a lot of specialists on the Cavs. They're specialists. The most versatile player on the Cavs is LeBron. But he don't, he don't play defense. Kevin Love, is he tries. But he's not a good defender. De- defense still wins championships. In basketball, offense is the name of the game, but defense is what, is what grinds out the victories. Like if the game is tied 101 to 101 and you need a last-second defensive play, I don't see the Cavs getting the stop that they need. You just got to – nine times out of ten, the, the other team is going to get a good look at it, and if the person misses, it's just because they just missed a shot, not because of defensive pressure. Yeah. Like that's just, so I think, like I said, I, I, I see the Cavs actually making it to the finals, but it's just because of the injuries to Celtics. In a seven-game series, Brad Stevens is the best possible coach in the NBA right now. And I think in a seven-game series with the talent he has and the defense he has, he has enough to actually pull out victories against. Because there is no Kyrie Irving to save LeBron James. Kevin Love is not going to save LeBron. Kyrie saved him in many a game. Game three against the... uh, uh, game no, game three or four, or game four. Game four against the Boston Celtics last season. Um, in the finals, game three and four uh, against the Warriors, even they lost game three, Kyrie was dropped like 40. So so they could, they could stay in it. So it, there is no Kyrie. Jordan Clarkson on take on is not going to drop 40 in the a, in a finals game or in the playoffs. Jeff Green ain't dropping 40 in the playoffs. Kyle Corbin ain't dropping 40 in the playoffs. Who's, who's, who's going to step up and beat Kyrie? George Hill ain't doing it. Rodney Hood, there's no Kyrie. So I think the Celtics, because they have Kyrie, could have done it. But with the injuries to Kyrie and everybody else, I don't see it. The Cavs got a solid wow. path. I think the Raptors will get it. I think the Raptors could actually win a couple games. And, and, and I'll be fair. Home court advantage probably works in the favor of the, of the Raptors if they know how to utilize it because the Cavs have historically had issues in in Toronto. But well, I, think the I don't issue, think it matters. Excuse me. I think the thing about it, too, is we look at There's too many questions in the East. Celtics hurt. Raptors, we don't know. We don't know about them in the playoffs. Um, I mean, Sixers, too young. Um, who who else is is there? Uh, Milwaukee, doubt it. 
don't have uh, they don't have enough. I'll put it like that. Milwaukee don't yeah, I have agree enough. With that. I I mean um, Wizards no. Hell no. Hell no, not the Wizards. Hell no. Wizards no. So I mean, you just look at the East. We we sit here, we look at the East. I mean, what, Indiana? Inconsistent. Miami? No. As, as, as much as, as good as Miami's been playing this stuff, no. I'll be honest. You know, my sleeper team in the East, because their defense is so good and because they're t- a top six uh, offense, a top six or seven offense, and their top four defense, top five defense right now, and no one can guard their big man. I'm gonna say the Seventy Sixers. I'm gonna actually say the Seventy Sixers as a sleeper team. Not that they'll actually win, but I actually believe they could be a sleeper team only because the Cavs defensively aren't gonna. Stop Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons plays very well against the Cavs as well. All the difference, the only difference is JJ Redick and Robert Covington playing decent. That's the only thing that's going to make a difference. If Covington had one, one of them games, he could drop 25, or JJ Redick could drop 15, 20, and Embiid can put up 31 and 12, or who's going to guard Embiid on? on the Cavs in the series. Who's going to slow down Ben Simmons? LeBron? LeBron ain't going to defend him. <laughs> so I can see that actually being a slight issue. Do I think the 76 would actually win a series? Probably not. But it's very possible. The 76ers came in to, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they came in to, to Cleveland and won a game. They had a game go down to the wire in, in Philly, so it, it it just all depends. Like if if Le, and LeBron if LeBron is showing us glimpses of what playoff Bron is right now um, in these games, and they're still not winning most of them. I don't know how much that changes come playoff time, but it's just that I don't think the East is strong enough to defeat them in that sense because they're losing a lot of games against like West Coast teams. Like they lost against the Lakers. I think they lost. I think they lost to the Clippers. They lost to the Sacramento Kings. They lost both games to the to the Warriors. Uh, they lost both games to the Rockets. They lost badly to the Thunder. Um, they lost to the Nuggets. Uh, they lost badly to the Spurs. I think they lost to the Spurs twice or both times this year. I think they lost badly to the Timberwolves once. Barely beat the Timberwolves in another game. And that shit was like a 138 to 140. It's a high score. There's no defense. So I, I think the 76 have have more of a fighting chance against the Cavs than anybody else, maybe besides the Celtics. Because the Bucks don't have it. The Miami Heat play good defense. They just don't have the offense. They actually have the offense in Philly. They do in Toronto, but it's in Toronto. I'm, I don't believe in the hype. I don't believe in the hype. But uh, Joel Embiid 
is no is not going to be locked up by anybody in the playoffs. That is the only thing. That's the scariest thing about the playoffs. If you are East Eastern Conference fan, who's going to lock up Joel Embiid? Who's going to slow down Ben Simmons? Who's going to slow down these those two, which are two generational type of talent? Embiid is a once in a lifetime big man in in this era. He's so versatile. He's a good defender. He can defend. He can he can protect the rim. Ben Simmons can pull off five or six steals in the game, get a couple blocks, and put up a triple-double. That's exactly what – the only thing Ben Simmons don't have is a shot. If Ben Simmons wasn't scared to take a jumper, I'd say the 76ers could come out to ease. I don't think they will. Like I said, I don't really think they're going to beat Cleveland, but I'm not going to write them off. They wouldn't get swept. I don't think they would get swept in the playoffs. I actually don't think they would. Because Embiid can give you 45 in the game. And if you can't stop him, Embiid can put down 40, put 45 up and put down 20 boards at least a game or two, you're not going to beat them. So I can, I can see them pushing them to six or seven games or even coming up with an upset. Because injuries are going to be the biggest issue this year for the Cavs. The Cavs have actually had people injured. They NBA. didn't rest them. NBA, like NBA, it's it's been the biggest issue in the NBA. Yeah, like so, like injuries. So injuries are the only thing that can stop the Cavs from coming out the East. Just like I think the injuries are the only thing that can stop the Warriors from coming out the West. But even with the injuries, uh, I still think it'll be Cavs, and I think it'll be Warriors. But I think, uh, like I said, I think the Warriors are going for sixteen and zero. And I, I think they can get it. Whether or not they actually do depends on their health. Uh, depends on how hard they play. If they come out there and play, like there's another thing. The last thing I'll say. Another thing, reason why I think the Warriors can go 16 and 0 is because all it takes for them is to win 16 games. That's all it takes. And I think this is what they were waiting for: the playoffs. So if they lock in every single game, they locked in. You really don't beat them. You might get one game if you're lucky. And they got to be off. Like, Steph got to be off. Clay got to be off. KD got to be, like, inefficient. And that's not going to happen every game. That's the only way you beat them. Like, when the Rockets beat them, when they were, like, both had full squads, Steph wasn't playing that well. Clay had a bad night. How often does that happen? And they still barely won. Like, <clears throat> in the playoff series, how often does that happen? Hell, even in 2016, Clay was cooking one night. Steph just wasn't. Steph was cooking one night. Clay just wasn't. Warriors lost one of those games and won the other game. Like this is like it. It is. It, 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 it takes a whole lot. So like I said, I still think it's Cavs and Warriors for. But I think it is in a sweep. I think Cavs and Warriors for in the sweep. I don't think that helps the league and what they're trying to do accomplish money wise for a sweep, but. Like I said last year, 16-1 and one was a big deal, and 16-0 and 0 would be just a big deal, if not bigger, after a very successful regular season. So, um, yeah, I guess I think, I think this is what we headed to. A uh, fourth straight battle between the Cavs and Warriors, it just ends a lot worse than the last one did. So, all of this is building up today. And I just hope the NBA refs, don't fuck any of this up 
by ruining the game or ruining multiple games. So we'll see, though, right? We'll see. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we we will see indeed. I mean, we got <clears throat> playoffs will be or is coming up soon. I think we're a month away from playoffs. Actually, we're a month away from the playoffs. Actually, three weeks. So, three weeks. Three weeks away. Um, yep. With with that being said, we uh, this is where I think we'll we'll end the show. Uh, you can follow us <clears throat> on Let's Talk About the Cooler at LTB the Cooler or at uh, LTB the Cooler. You can follow True at True God Immortal. You can follow me at True Blue Larry Twenty One. We'll be back on the air next week to talk some more, um, talk some more, some more basketball. Uh, we'll, we'll be, I think we'll be well into the final four. I think the final four will be set by then. So we'll uh, yep. we'll talk about the final four. Talk about um, a lot of things we're gonna end up talking about. Talk about the final four. Talk about some more NBA. Um, some more NBA. Action and then also it will be the start of Major League Baseball. Uh, MLB will be yep. will be starting. Matter of fact, it starts that Thursday. It starts that Thursday, so we'll be talking about some MLB. Uh, we'll be talking about some MLB that Thursday. So I know that that's going to be the time where everybody overreacts, and then we get into the first month, the first month, or the first two months of the season. Everybody's going to overreact about their team. That's typically how it goes. <laughs> typically how yep. it goes. That's usually how it goes on here, people, but uh, that is for a different subject for a different day. Yep. Other than that, uh, until then, we will see you guys next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.